All right, boys, fellas, gentlemen, what have you, your preferred non-pronoun pronoun. This movie's about hotels or a hotel. Let's not say plural. And there's multiple hotels. Yeah. Jesus, I am bad at these intros. Well, there's anyway, one B&B in a hotel. There we go. There we go. It's There's a hotel in this movie. So on that note, what's the worst hotel experience you've ever had? Well, one time I was driving through Alabama and I stayed at a hotel I won't name names. Is this a racist story? No. Okay. It, it's worse than... I'd rather this have a been... a sundown situation? I think I'd rather have been a victim of racism <laughs> than this. I went in this room, and right away I knew I was in trouble because the hall light didn't work. And so I eventually got some illumination and saw that there was just... Not spiritual illumination, just no, illumination. illumination from okay. light sources. Uh, and then I saw that there was blood on the sheet. Oh like a little bit of blood or like a like something shit went like down. Someone blood. was murdered. The Not week quite prior. murder levels of blood, but more than a little bit. It wasn't like someone cut themselves shaving. Okay. Uh, it was I'd say maybe someone cut their hand. Okay. And was it in an awkward place? Was it potentially period blood? Oh uh, no, it'd be too low unless the person was very tall. Okay. All right. It, it, so it was very an it was a, it was an it was awkward a blood situation. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, not that not that there's any acceptable amount of blood in my hotel sheets. And <laughs> yes, the it's a zero. Yeah, that's acceptable. But this was far above that. These hoity-toity dudes over here. So then I went down to the front desk person and I was like, "Hey, there's blood on my sheets. Can I go in another room?" She's like, yeah, that happens. <laughs> and put me in another room, upon which I stayed only for a few hours, just enough to take a nap, fully clothed on top of the comforter, uh, and then left because I was like, I'm going to be murdered. So the blood was underneath place. the comforter it was, on the sheets. Yes, it was underneath the comforter oh. on the so sheets. So they just pulled it up and said, we'll hope for the best. They did try to wash it because I could tell it was like, it wasn't fresh blood. They weren't just murdered. They, but they were like, we cannot throw these sheets away. So, so did you check into a hotel that you're supposed to only get for an hour with no. a prostitute before you hit the road? Y'all, this was like a Motel 6, all right? It was a legit brand name. I booked it ahead of time online. Oh, if wow. I had knew, like if I knew where I was, uh, like what it looked like and where it actually was, it was the kind of hotel where you get off the interstate and there's like a gas station and then like a real shitty road that going next to the gas station that has like three hotels and they were all one shittier than the next. And I was like, oh, I fucked up well you know you're in trouble if motel six is the nicest one in the area yeah well, they kept the light on for me <laughs> <laughs> and the blood waiting for you on the sheets that was complimentary well i um i've had a few dirty hotels i don't know if that quite qualifies you know you're driving all night and you just gotta stop mm -hmm. you know what i mean you, you're starting to see shit on the road that happened when i drove home from michigan uh and we stopped off at a Super 8 or something like that. Probably in the same ballpark. Yeah, as that's two better six. than a Motel 6. Yeah, <laughs> two more points for sure. Uh, but I want to highlight something, and I think this is going to count, even though it's not quite a hotel, but it's an Airbnb. Okay. Okay, it, it, say, it serves the same function. Mm -hmm. When I went to Frightmare just a few months ago, I... Texas Frightmare. The one in Texas... So I, I, I too went online, I checked in, I got the, uh, the Airbnb all set, had some other people come with me to that. And when we got there, there was a sheet of how to make your stay better laminated. And the number one top thing said no alcohol in the room or the house, period. And I was like, bullshit, it's my birthday. What do you think's happening right now? I went and looked, checked my booking. There's nothing about it. So I said, fuck you. You can't just have that yeah. thrown in last minute. Error number one on their part. Error number two is, is that the AC and every light in the house was on a timer. <gasps> 
I w- if you're sitting in the bathroom to take a crap in two minutes, lights would go out. Imagine flailing your arms yeah. on the toilet. Are they motion censored? Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. So um, a buddy of mine brought his high school. So I took a pooping stick from that point on to make sure the lights didn't go out. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I could poke it from where I'm sitting. So my buddy brought his kid, his 16-year-old son. He was in the shower. Lights went out on him, and he swung his arm wrong and knocked the soap dispenser off the wall. And it's like this is just That's their fault. Yeah, I, I, and then yeah, it would it would get to like seventy eight degrees, and then the AC would shut off. And then like ten minutes later, like why is it so fucking hot in here? We'd get up and go turn that off. It was ridiculous. That's why I never stay at Airbnbs. I like hotels. The first thing I do when I go in a hotel is find a thermostat and put that shit down to sixty five. Hell I'm yeah, like, baby. it's somebody else's electricity. As long as there's no blood on the sheets, Hell I'm yeah. gonna curl up on the bed for well, the that's rest a of the new, night. That's a new thing I started in the last year. First check for blood. Never used to have to do that. Now I know. So let's just say my opinion of the Airbnb in the last few months have dramatically shifted. I'm I'm kind of against Airbnbs. Bro, now. Well, the I good started- news the good news is is the Airbnb like industry is down fifty. 50% in Austin. So all those places that are being held out for Airbnbs are going to soon be available for purchase, hopefully. Good. good. Good for everybody else in the market. Yeah. yeah fuck them. Because once they started giving me chores, yeah. I was like, bitch, I am paying you and giving you like extra cleanup fees, but I got to do all the fuck right. that. Make sure to wash all your dishes before you leave the house. Take yeah. your trash out to the curb. I'm like, fuck you. I understand the trash thing. I'm Again, I don't think there's, I don't think there's completely unreasonable rules. But these places Airbnbs. charge like a hundred or so dollars for cleanup. Clean Get fucked. Yeah, yeah dude. It's Separate ridiculous. From well, your actually, rate. wait a minute. If you got to hire someone to come in, that is about the rate for about an hour. Okay. Then why am I doing it? Yeah. Why am I doing it I'm before saying, I leave? If you leave it, so maybe they're trying to save that hundred bucks. I'm not trying to like oh, yeah. defend them. I'm just trying to rip us off for sure. You know they're who doesn't like, charge me a hundred fucking dollars? Motel Hotels. Six. Yeah. Yeah. It's just all inclusive. I pay you know, hundred twelve a night blood, or whatever. You get the blood. You get the bed bugs. You get everything for free. Well, you get a continental breakfast with your choice mm-hmm. of granola. Or a brand muffin. Well, look, that was my fault. I should have known something was fishy when I was paying $55 for the <laughs> nights. I should have known, but I was like, you know what? I'm only going to be there a couple hours. I was driving to Pennsylvania, so I was like... This is you, John. I thought you may have gotten the AARP discount. <laughs> no, I wish. No. You know, Just because you act old doesn't mean you yeah. are. It's been five hours, and I'm so tired. Anyway, what about you, Garrett? I don't know if I have any terrible hotel stories. I kind of just assume every place I'm going to sleep that's not my own home is like going to be garbage. So, except for Vegas... Never had a bad hotel Vegas experience yet. Let's see. I had one hotel room where the bathtub was covered with cellophane and like sealed because whatever was leaking up through it basically smelled. So this covered it so the smell didn't come out. <laughs> oh, that's it's terrible. Yeah. yeah that's not I good. mean, it was not ideal. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's been other ones. I mean, I've had stayed at hotels where prostitutes have been arguing outside the door and screaming at each other. They're going to stab somebody and try mm. to sleep through that. But I mean, again, I don't consider that that's outside the hotel room. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, can't really hold them accountable. They don't know that they're prostitutes. Well, if Th- they don't know that they're prostitutes, well, the prostitutes know. The hotel does. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just love sleeping for money. I don't know, I don't I don't know, know what that means. Fall into that job, but I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I don't have any much to complain about hotel wise. Well, if you walked in and there was blood all over the mm-hmm. bed, what would you do? I would sleep in the bathtub. What? You wouldn't ask for a different room at the very least? I don't know. It depends on how tired I am. Probably. If there's blood on the bed, I wouldn't trust the tub. Yeah, that's probably where it started. I would go go to my car and get my UV light. Okay. Definitely don't do that. I would definitely want to know how bad the the damage was prior to the washing. If you're going to a hotel with a UV light, you might as well just sleep in your car. Yeah. Okay, look. That was the scariest part of this movie. (laughs) This movie is about a haunted hotel room, and it stars John Cusack. On that note, real quick, before we actually get into this episode, because let's just waste a shit ton of time today, what's your favorite John Cusack? movie and don't say 1408 which is the movie we're doing today mm, that's a cop out damn <laughs> <laughs> well, i have a thing for numbers i'm gonna say 2012 then 
the, the disaster movie the 2012 disa- yeah man i get to watch him outrun an earthquake why does that line up with your taste so well oh because i like great things hot tub oh, I said <laughs> hot tub hot gun hot gun top gun Jesus. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a bad movie, but it's a fun bad movie, and I can appreciate that. I have a thing for disaster movies. My roommate does too. They're she fun. loves those. Well, I feel like the easy answer is better off dead, because who doesn't want that kid to get his $2? Everybody wants that kid to get paid. No, I don't. He was a little jerk. No, I've he just wanted what he was owed. What? He harassed that man. You've never heard of Better Off Dead? No. John. You got to stop watching all Curtis Armstrong Tarantino in movies and start watching some John Okay, Cusack. was that John who was watching all the Tarantino yeah, movies? I'm doing yeah. a rewatch. I'm I up saw to... the letterbox and I was just like, who is all up on Tarantino's dick right now? Me? It'd be I'm, him. I'm up to Inglorious <laughs> Bastards. I just okay. finished it. <laughs> all right. Well, next up, John Cusack. You got a lot of work to do. Yeah, I guess so. According to Iron Beast, been in 90 fucking movies. Oh, yeah. Quentin so, Tarantino's done eight. That's so much John more said, manageable. John said Geostorm. No, 2012. I'm going to say Geostorm. 2012. Geostorm. Yeah. Um, also a disaster movie. Mark, you said what? proportion because you're not going with better off dead right no uh, although that is a top one i'm gonna go with one that i don't think a lot of people saw or really talk about anymore called one crazy summer where john cusack is a illustrationist an illustrator if you will Mm -hmm. and uh it starts out with him like all these like cartoon animals machine gunning themselves down and killing each other in blood and it's basically this cartoonist just kind of daydreaming and it stars Garrett's favorite actor, Bobcat Goldthwait. And it has uh, a great boat race at the end okay. where somebody saws off the back of a Ferrari and puts it on the boat. And it somehow makes the boat win the race. Yeah, no, that sounds scientific. Right? That, that lines yeah. up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I see no flaw in this. <laughs> anyway, it's got a lot of fun gags. It's a, it's a good 80s film. If you haven't seen it, One Crazy Summer, good movie. For me, it's a little bit tougher because I love so many John Cusack movies, but um, I will shout out a randomly obscure movie that my roommate told me about, The Road to Wellville, um, where oh yeah, it's like, that movie's bananas, but that's not it. I would have to say for me, probably the best John Cusack movie, I'm, I'm going to go with either being John Malkovich or High Fidelity. I don't really know which one I like more. Malkovich was really like interesting and I like the, like the cerebral aspect of it, but High Fidelity is just like, I think a, a better written movie. Jack Black's in it. Fucking amazing. Yeah. High Fidelity is a movie for music snobs. Mm. I remember watching that goes, I get this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Middle-aged men going through breakups as well, I think might also be a True. good thing. Yeah. Um, music snobs, definitely. Fans of Jack Black. The Venn diagram between music snobs and fans of Jack Black, circle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's probably true. Yeah. Um, I think Malkovich is a very late, I don't know, I think, you know, I think about Malkovich often and I wonder, like, could that movie have existed in another time? Like, could we have gotten that five years prior, ten years later? I think we're too far removed from Malkovich's, like, peak. Yeah. For them to well, he was make still, like, home. fairly kind of like, this is, it's kind of like, popped him back in. I mean, he was doing stuff, but this really kind of made him a household name. But I'm saying now. Now, for oh, sure. Nowadays. Now, I don't think we could do that because it'd be like, who's this guy? Like, oh, a dude, studio would be like, He's a why? voice in 10-year-old Tom, the Steve Vildarian cartoon on HBO Max or Max or whatever the fuck they call it now. I'm not saying he's not acting anymore. Oh, I'm just okay. saying he's past his peak. After something like being I don't want to hear you besmirch Malkovich's peak. This isn't a The man has yet to peak. <laughs> if we had to look at his popularity, the graph would probably the go ma- like this. The man hit this. the top and he's plateaued and he is riding that wave all the way. 
Oh, yeah, the Bird Box is really getting him there. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Don't mention Bird Box. That's a Sandra Bullock movie. And he's in it. Just because you're in it doesn't mean it's your movie. I think I made him upset. You did. I, I, I don't realize. You talk shit about John Malkovich. You know, all I hear right now is Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. Look, you know, Malkovich was in Con Air, which also starred John Cusack. That's true. It's a bit of a Malkovich stan, isn't he? I think so. Yeah, I am. I will not deny that. <laughs> Dear John, I wrote you. <laughs> anyway, that movie was weird. It has its moments that I thought were brilliant but overall i think you said this a minute ago john i think i just need to rewatch it yeah it's been forever since i've seen it i barely remember it except that it was weird i remember how I felt. it's a weird watch it moment like it, it makes you feel shit it's really like bizarre how it like plays out spike jones man what spike a good jones. name that man has had a fucking career yeah that guy's insanely awesome let's talk about spike jones for a while no let's talk about 1408 oh yeah the movie we did 1408 Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk Podcast. My name is Mark. Again, joined with Garrett and John. Fellas, we're back. What have you been up to since last time? John's been watching Tarantino movies, evidently. Yes, as, yeah. as everyone seems I to the be lead. making fun of me for. But you know what? <laughs> I, I That man influenced my childhood or my teenage years for sure. When I was rewatching some of his earlier shit, like Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown, I was like, oh, yeah. I thought this was really cool. And it turned me on to a bunch of music I otherwise would not have known about. So, uh, And also, he knows how to make a mean film. One mean film, that guy. Yeah. Well, no, multiple. Of his biography. Multiple, yeah. One yeah. mean film. I think I've liked all of his movies, except for The Hateful Eight. How would you have felt about his Star Trek film? I would have thought, it? I don't know. It would have been so interesting. <laughs> I was so open to the idea because fuck it. Why not? You know, like there's so much good Star Trek, even if it's bad, whatever. How many times is Spock going to drop the N-word? That's the question. Awesome. Sign Samuel Jackson is Dr. Spock. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Captain. <laughs> uh, it would have been so great. Stupid Pulp Fiction. Stupid Pulp Fiction. <laughs> is influence, has influenced so many wannabe filmmakers. Every motherfucker grabbed a camera and said, yeah. I'm going to make my own Quentin verse style movie. And man, there's a lot of garbage out there, but I'm going to recommend one for you, John. Okay. This is an Iranian film, much like Pulp Fiction. Okay. And it's called Ashcan, The Charmed Ring and Other Stories. I watched that one recently and it was actually filmed back in the late 90s. It was very well done. I will watch it. I have it on Blu-ray. I'll lend it to you. Perfect. Now, here's a question for you two. Uh, who, friends coming together. Who do you think led to more knockoffs in the late 90s, early 2000s? Quinn Tarantino or Kevin Smith? Uh, Tarantino. You think so? Yeah. I, I feel like all my friends back then wanted to be Kevin Smith. They all wanted to make the next Clerks or Mallrats or I whatever. I feel like Kevin Smith was the entry point, and I feel like Tarantino was the goal. The auteur? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Like, on, I mean, here's a quick question. Dude, we're never going to talk about horror movies. <laughs> Tarantino or Kevin Smith? Who do you prefer? Oh, nowadays, Tarantino. Yeah, he makes Back better in the, movies. In the early 2000s, I probably would have said Kevin Smith. Yeah, Kevin Smith hasn't made a good movie in a long time. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I think like since Dogma. <laughs> uh, so it's coming up on like 20. Well, I did like Red I State. liked Kirk Clerks 3 a lot. I didn't like the whole meta like, you know. I never saw Clerks 3. 
I, I really enjoy it. Okay. The, meta, the meta thing turned me completely off. Honestly, it, at first it really like, I was like, Oh, not this bullshit. But then the actual, like the character progression and the actual character development itself really was well done. I really appreciated it. So, um, I would say clerks three, but that one beforehand, the Jay and silent Bob reboot or whatever. Oh, did not, was not my jam. I would say Tarantino probably has a more stable career. Like yeah. everything he's done has been at least well recepted. Yeah, I would agree well with recepted, that. well received, well I received. Think. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. back to uh, whatever the fuck we were talking about before we deviated. Oh, what you guys were up to? You watched Tarantino? Movies. Yes, lots. Of, mm. Oh, and I watched the Blackening. Stay tuned for a quickie. Uh, it was very funny, not very scary. Was it good? It was good. It's very very funny. Was it a, okay? I have a question about mm. the Blackening, and I'm sure maybe your quickie will answer it, but I'll ask now. Was it a little bit too heavy handed on like like we're making fun of black? people in films the entire time or was that more just kind of like a trope that was like peppered in and then not overshadowing the the plot itself no yeah they like touched on that in the beginning and then it is a movie steeped in black culture though it is That's not fine. a I'm, very it I'm just saying, like i hate when the people lean on a certain trope as yeah. like an excuse for having not a a, a a poorly defined plot no i mean the plot's not great it started out as like a short a comedy short and then they extended it into this 90 minute movie and as happens also like in 1408 when you take something that is three pages long and try to make it 90 pages long sometimes it can feel a little thin wait is 1408 based off a short story yes a stephen king short story oh jesus christ no wonder the ending got shitty no wonder the guy's a writer oh actually the ending in the short story is totally different yeah there's four different endings uh, well let's get the fuck <laughs> 1408 so john mark what have you been up to oh wait hold on john i'm looking forward to your quickie yeah. I, I saw that preview. I was like, this seems interesting, but I haven't watched it yet. It'll so. be out very soon because I wrote down all my thoughts already. I just got to record it. Sweet. Mark, what have you been up to? Well, speaking of being in hotels, I turned on the cable box when I was in the hotel in Corpus and I'm sorry, Lubbock. I've been all over Texas these past two if months. If you're not following Mark's exact <laughs> movements on Twitter. <laughs> Follow me on the gram, yo. I'm going to show you tumbleweeds and bullshit like that. No. Um, they were playing the first scary movie. You want to talk about something that ain't funny anymore? Scary movie. Mm -hmm. We're talking about something that wasn't funny when it first came out? Scary movie. I think the first two were all right. I like the third one with the Eminem, <laughs> but that was funny, man. You would. It will, I would, yes, because it's good. <laughs> uh, here's a funny thing about scary movie. 14-year-old John took his mom to go see that. Oh, boy. Did not know what I was getting into. The third one? No, the first one. Oh, when the dick comes through the hole. In oh, the, yeah. There was a lot that I was like, I should not have. Lock eyes with mom and be like, <laughs> I'm sorry, mommy. <laughs> Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Just like, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, I uh, know we've got the insidious red door coming soon. So I've started to watch two through four that I haven't seen yet. Finally. Guess what? I like part two. I'm telling you, man, this trilogy, this, this quadruple, this five movie thing. Quintology. Quintilogy. Yes. I don't know about red door yet because I haven't seen it. I'm going to see it this week. But um, one through or one through four, one solid concept, decent story, two really well written three i like what they were going with not exactly my super jam but four gets good again man well i've gotten through the part of part three where she gets hit by the car and i was like holy shit yes that was a pretty visceral hit yeah knocked right into the i'm further. glad you're finally watching these because i've been tired of like saying like insidious is a pretty decent fucking series and you guys are just like Meh. well you can go listen to my opinion on part one i still feel the same about it <laughs> Mr. Darth Maul Demon, where'd he go? Is he just gone? He's back, baby, in part five. The okay. Red Door. Yeah, he was behind the Red Door the whole time. So we ran out of ideas and had to go back to Darth Maul, I see. Hey, okay. What's wrong with okay. Darth Maul? He's a scary looking dude. Darth Maul's <laughs> the greatest Star Wars villain ever. Uh, you know what I was thinking about when I heard the Tiny Tim song play again? I was like, this would be like if someone today decided to make a horror movie with Weird Al. Eat it. 
Oh, that'd be awesome. Go into the fucking tippity top upside down. Through the window. No, it'd be like, get yourself an egg and beat it. Oh, I'm so scared. Oh, my God. I'd love a horror movie scored by Weird Al songs. I think if Tiny Tim popped on my radio without me actually like legitimately putting it on, I'd be freaked the fuck out, too. No. I'm going to give it to Insidious. I won't. Hey, speaking of songs that just come on the radio, what about 1408, huh? The Carpenters? Yeah. Uh, Never thought I'd be scared by that song. Yeah, and you weren't. No, I wasn't. I, <laughs> I wasn't. That's right. Garrett, before we get into 1408, did you watch anything you want to bring up? Uh, I went back through um, the classic monster movies, The Wolfman, The Mummy, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. Hmm. Didn't watch Dracula because I just don't care for fucking vampires. It's just not my jam. What about Frankenstein versus the Wolfman? No, I didn't get that far into them. Hmm. Check those out. Man, they had a time and place. Classics never die. I get why they're so intriguing. Man, some of those movies are really fucking boring. Really boring. It's been a hot minute, but I remember really enjoying Lon Chaney's Wolfman. You know, it wasn't boring. Asteroid City from Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. Fucking classic. That shit was uh, amazing. I would say it's it's in vain of Life Aquatic. Um, it's that level of, you know, like artistry. I think the story is much more relatable. Man, hits on all cylinders. Classic Wes Anderson. So I recommend that too. Other than that, just working. Anyway, 1408 from 2007. That's what we're here to talk about today. I don't know if you guys know this, but if you add the numbers 1408 together, it equals 13. Yeah, and you can scoff at that like John Cusack does. <laughs> and then, I don't know if you know this, but the number 13 pops up many times in this movie. Mm. It's almost add like add the running. numbers for okay. I see what you. I got it. Math yeah. one plus four plus zero plus eight. He does it in the movie, Mark. Yeah. No, he just says equals thirteen. Circle. Yeah. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you needed to see show his work. He got half credit. He's going to show the equation, <laughs> and Mark's like, I don't get this. Look, he didn't tell me if he was additioning, subtractioning, <laughs> multiplying, or dividing to get that number. Additioning. That's right. Yeah. I love that. That's what they say. Rhythmic. Anyway, I'm a fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> Math. Fourteen oh eight. Directed by Mikhail Hafstrom. Uh, this feller has also done the movie The Right, R-I-T-E, with Anthony Hopkins. I saw that one. It's okay. I didn't think much of it. Yeah. This one was written by Matt Greensburg, Scott Alexander, and Larry Karazweski. This is based on a short story of the same name by Stephen King, as John said earlier. Yeah. Three writers. That's how you know it's going to be good. Yeah. Three times the talent. One per page, right? Uh, you said it was only three pages it's long. It's longer than three pages, <laughs> but yeah, pretty much. It's not that long of a... Well, wasn't yeah. this like... I, I didn't... I, I heard that this was actually like originally not supposed to be a story at all. I don't I didn't know Stephen King wrote this. Yeah. It was, it was part of... It came out in like 1999 on an audiobook that he did, and it was one of the stories on the audiobook, hmm. and it's pretty good. You know, I mean, it's definitely different than the movie. All the backstory about the, the divorce and the kids. Well, there's four, as Mark said, there's four different endings. But the so, ending is not the part that I have the oh. biggest problem with. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I can't wait to find out what that is. This one stars John Cusack as Mike Enslin. Samuel L. Jackson as Gerald Olin. Mary McCormick as Lily. Tony Shalhoub as Sam Farrell. I was kind of hoping to get a little more Shalhoub in this movie. Yeah. It's just a little bit of Shalhoub. Not enough Shalhoub. I want my Shalhoub shellacked. And I want it lubed and ready to go. Yeah. Anyway. Lube Shalhoub in every movie. <laughs> Lynn Carew is Mike's father. Isaiah Whitlock Jr. is the hotel engineer. Just got to call him out. You know, anytime you see that dude. Tremendous job in this film. <laughs> Any asshole could fix it. The 30 seconds he's <laughs> yeah. on screen. Jasmine Jessica Anthony is Katie. And that's probably all we need to know. Currently on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at an 80% out of 176 critic reviews and a 61% with 250,000 plus. 61% is what? 
Use, watchers? Audience, yeah. Audience, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's much lower than I would have guessed. I, I would have put it right at 61%. <laughs> I would have put it right around the 60 number. Here's what the back of the DVD has to say about 1408. Forget about it. Uh, that'd be great if it said that. <laughs> Go watch something else, dum-dum. <laughs> and yes, we've just begun. Based on a story by suspense master Stephen King, 1408 is a gripping roller coaster of a head trip, says Owen Gliberman of the Entertainment Weekly. That will have you on the edge of your seat. John Cusack delivers a tour de force performance, says Stephen Farber of The Hollywood Reporter. Man, is this just going to be people talking? Yeah. As a skeptical writer investigating paranormal events, when he insists on staying in the reportedly haunted room 1408 at the Dauphin Hotel against the grave warnings of the hotel manager, he discovers the room's deadly secret. Does he? An evil so powerful, no one has ever survived an hour within the walls. In the tradition of King's The Shining Misery, 1408 is a psychologically thrilling movie that leaves you gasping in the end, says Desiree <laughs> Belmarez of the Denver Post. Misery? Really, Desiree? Okay. <laughs> At the time, that was one of his huge, huge hits. Yeah, but I wouldn't say this is in the spirit of that. No, I think when they said his name, like they were uh, naming the two movies he was known for. I don't okay. think it was like in the spirit of those movies. Uh, you know, I got, with all the quotes, I was confused. I know. And I Honestly, this became word salad at some point. From the maestro that brought you the Tommy Knockers. <laughs> Remember Dreamcatchers? <laughs> this is that guy. Who doesn't want to love a good incest plot line? <laughs> oh, what a film. All right. Well, what did you fellas think of 1408? I really like. Was it a tour de force? Was Uh, it a roller coaster? I think John Cusack did do a tremendous job. I agree. Considering he is alone in a room for most of this movie. So if you don't like him or don't like his acting, you're going to hate this movie. But I think he did a tremendous job. I love the range of Cusack we got in this. We got cool guy Cusack. We got writer Cusack. We got kind of like dad, Mm -hmm. kind of like, hey, I'm kind of a heartthrob Cusack. Oh, man. Every kind of Cusack. Drawing from every movie he's ever done (laughs) right into 1408. It's a real Bean Malkovich, but it's except with a Cusack instead of a John Malkovich. Fun fact, the number 1408 is how many different Cusacks there are in the movie. Oh, shit. That's mm. true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but I really, really enjoy this movie. I think it's much, it's like very deep, especially for a horror movie. I always forget how sad it is. And uh, yeah, it's just a good, good, good movie. Good, good movie. Good, good. Yeah, it's double good. Classic. Double plus good. Double plus good. Wow. I enjoyed the movie. I fucking hated the end. And this is a Stephen King problem. This is not a movie problem. This is a, I feel like at one point this movie just became vignettes, things that Stephen King had jotted down on a post-it note and was like, I can put these all in a story. Sure. Which what he does in a lot of, he does a lot of his stuff. All of that was not from Stephen King. Really? Yeah. Okay. Then some fucking D bag. It's from one of those three writers. <laughs> okay. So again, my problem is with most Stephen King stories is like, there's a really cool concept, a really cool premise. And then about halfway to three quarters of the way through a story, you just get the like, all right, let's just wrap it up. I felt that way about this movie. Maybe that's not a direct Stephen King problem, mm-hmm. but it tends to follow him through all his other projects. So I'm going to attribute that part to him. The vignette shit. Cool. We'll give it to somebody else. I enjoy enjoyed this movie. I think every actor and actress did an amazing job. I really liked the concept of it. I really enjoyed the seventh level of the seventh circle of hell Dante bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I thought it was really interesting to see it. But at some point I disconnected from this movie and was like, I don't care because now I'm just seeing stuff that has nothing to do with John Cusack's, you know, plot. Then when we finally loop back to it, 
it's done in a way where I'm suddenly supposed to like be highly invested in this thing with his kid and his wife. And I'm like, I've had no connection to that up until this point. So I don't know. I really enjoy this movie, but I feel like there's a, 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 a breaking point for me where I'm expected to be like, hey, this is what we're doing. And I'm like, I'm not there yet. I don't know if that makes sense, but again, I could give two shits less about what happened to his kid. I mean, I feel bad what happened like that, but again, I had no investment to him becoming a good father or atoning for what he did because it didn't seem like it mattered to him. Well, I don't think until this was that a story point. about atonement. Yeah, he didn't have to atone for anything. We talking about the whole like he, all the people in that hotel room like killed themselves and stuff. Like they go right, there and like they, they kill themselves because the, of all that shit. The room Nothing is for remake, him to atone for. Yeah, it's remaking him live the worst well, not period. Atone, of his, but like you know, like living that like yeah, he has that to hell. circle through the worst period of his life over and over and over again until he kills himself. That's the that's what's going on in that room. Plus physical discomfort. Because mm-hmm. when he picks up the phone and she's he's like, "Why don't you just kill me?" She's like, "Oh, you." No, you everyone free has free will. will. Yeah, every one of our guests has free will. I mean, I, I get that that was what they were trying to want him to do, but like, I didn't like. So that was the end goal. Was like, you have to go to this room and you have to kill yourself. Yes. Well, the room wants you to take your own life. Well, then why or the it'll fuck torture would you Olin, Like, oh my god, this just gets even more fucking confusing. They tried to tell him, don't go to this room. Yeah, that room why is would fucking they care? evil. Why would they care? Because he told you, I don't care about you. I don't yeah. want to have to clean up the mess. A lot of paperwork for him. I wow. I I don't know. I don't know. I enjoyed. I enjoyed this movie, man. There's a point where I was just like, I, oh, I'm good. I was along for the ride. I, this to me, this turned into like a like a haunted mansion style. Like we're gonna do anything, probably things that you've seen done before. But I thought it was done well, and some of it pretty creatively. Like when the clock turns into a timer, I'm like, oh, I like this idea. Did this you guys notice that the timer actually matched up to the time of the movie? No, that's cool. Yeah. See, that's like when it says when it says like sixty minutes, there's actually like if you like uh, minus credits time, mm-hmm. there's about sixty minutes left in the movie. Okay. And it doesn't actually end up being that way because at the very end, right at like the last like 15 minutes, they totally jump around and ruin that whole thing. But I thought that was a clever thing. I was like, oh, we have a real time clock almost here. No, they fuck it up at the end. <laughs> well, at least they attempted. I appreciate yeah. that level of detail. Yes. I liked my, one of my, I think the most subtle, but also like creepiest things is when he looks at the hotel map and it says you are here and, and it's black totally area black around all it, yeah. around it. I was like, There's that's only cool. the room in the whole hotel. <laughs> yeah. I love that too. I also love that all the ghosts have almost a television projection yeah. quality to them. I hated that. You hated it. I hated it. That that effect took me out of the the movie immediately because everything else seems so like creepy and like like kind of like it didn't seem like cartoony to me. And the moment I saw the TV people, I was like, well, that doesn't really make sense for everything we've been living in this world. I don't know. I did not like that effect. Hmm. I thought it was cool. I, I was even like I, I gave a lot to this movie. We had key POV. OK, we went inside a lock and turned the lock as a key POV. And I was like, cool, I'm good with this. I don't mind this. One of my notes was I like like the key look <laughs> i thought that was a cool fact i thought it was kind of cool too i was like it, it again the cg in the lock thing didn't make sense for the style of movie we were at at the time but when it happened i was like okay i'm on board but yeah the the, the staticky tv people was a, an effect that i it seems cartoony to me and it kind of just took me out of the the seriousness of the situation because at that point i'm feeling for cusack i'm like bro you should not be in here and then when i saw that don't get me wrong seeing tv ghosts would still fuck me up but like i was like oh okay TV people. It was a nice change from like the just blue ghosts, you know. Right. Oh, we're gonna make you pale blue and translucent. I liked that it was a, a different. There's also a CRT television that shows them things. True. So I thought it was kind of linked into there, like showing you, hey, these are all the dead people came before you. I think that's exactly what it is. Hmm. It's just that that visual style doesn't really like scare me. 
So it kind of like just took me out of the, the moment of scare. Oh, nothing in this movie scared me, by the way. Oh, really? No, I thought it all was pretty neat yeah. and creative, but like I didn't get scared at any point watching it. Not the the. This is AC, also the second time I've seen it, though. Not so. the AC vent part? Oh, where he's looking in there? No, no that dude's chased. like that monster thing's chasing. Like, did they oh, like, the, slit dust, his throat the open? dusty mummy? <laughs> that guy? I thought he looked good. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. this. I thought that was creepy. I did too. I mean, it is hard for me to put myself like when I first saw this movie and what did I find scary? Because I really do love this movie. I've seen it like five times. Well, this was a long time ago now. Yeah, this, this, is is what, a, this is a John choice. And it had a totally is, different ending when I saw it in the theaters, as we'll get to. Wait, wait, but. what? Yeah. Yeah. No, wait. In the theater, there is one ending, and then they scrubbed the, that ending from existence, and now ev- all the DVDs, all the streaming has a different ending. Are you fucking kidding me? So it's going to be interesting. Where did we all watch this, and did we get the same ending? Oh, that's true. I got. I watched mine on iTunes. I got mine on Voodoo. Okay. Watched mine on iTunes also. So Rented maybe. it this time instead of purchasing it. Because oh. I didn't know if it was going to be good or not. I already own this movie, so I was like, sweet. <laughs> is that how you pick movies? I own it. Oh, I'd save so much money. No, that is not how I do it. I just happen to already own this one. So 2007 was, what, 16 years ago? Yeah. Holy shit, right? I wonder if part of the television ghost effect was a direct influence from The Ring. Oh. Honestly, I would not be surprised. Yeah. There's so much of this movie that just seems like, like, oh, that was cool. Let's do our own take on it. A lot of the the quote unquote scares and creepiness that happens is very reminiscent of that time frame. It would have to be like real at the tail end though, because I mean the ring would be coming up on eight years old by then. Doesn't right? matter that shit. And horror tropes die slowly. Two thousand one. The ring. Oh, ring was like two oh three. Oh three. I could, I could oh, be wrong. maybe it was, if it's oh three, that makes more sense. Well, I have, a, I have a question for y'all. I guess we can do it or in the plot. Early in the movie, he wipes out surfing, and there's <laughs> a, a a internet theory. That he died, and the rest of this movie is all just him. Oh, no, I thought that's what it was at first, too. I thought when he, like, pops out, and then when he goes to the hotel, I was like, oh, this is him basically, like, passing it through and going through his own personal limbo before he goes to the other side because of his shit that he did for his kid and his wife. I feel like it would be a little more defined if that were true. But then then they have him wake up, and I was like, oh, that was a dream. And then I was like, wait, is the hotel real? Is this a dream? Like, again, this movie gets real, like, muddy. It works with... You could... If you strained a little bit, you can make it work with the streaming ending. It doesn't work with the OG ending. So, listeners, forgive us. This is going to be a really tough one to get in chronological order because so many fucking things rapid fire happen. I tried to keep up. My notes are like 40 pages long. If something happens out of order in our description, just... Forgive us, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm glad. I noticed that, too. I was like, oh, shit, I wrote a lot of notes for yeah, this yeah. movie. Dude, we all got it. Um, I'm glad they didn't play Hotel California by the Eagles. Oh, thank God. Oh, yeah. I was watching this movie. I was like, I swear to God, if the end song is Hotel California, I was like, I'm turning this shit off and beating John. John, <laughs> when you pulled back the comforter and the Alabama did it, yeah. go, sweet home Alabama. That would have been, I would have stayed. I'd think, like, oh, this is like a thing. Okay, I get it. I'm stuck in here and I can't leave. <laughs> The opening credits scroll was really nice. Like where they actually played the like like the John Cusack, Samuel Jackson as he's driving and mm-hmm. it kind of like fades in and fades out. Definitely of its time, but I thought that was really subtle and really um, not non abrasive. I thought it was very nice of John Cusack to wait for the credits to end. Did you like that part where he's just sitting in the hotel room nicely just waiting for the credits to finish rolling through the hotel so we could start the movie? Yeah, well, I think what it was, what it was trying to show. I know what it's trying to show, but that's what I, I, <laughs> yes, I that twisted is what it, it felt like, like. I was like, this is hilarious. I was <laughs> waiting for the credits to finish. It's like, will you hurry up, please? We're trying to get a movie started here. No, what he's doing is, is John Cusack's professional profession is he's a writer who goes to different quote unquote haunted hotels to try to debunk them. 
and he's got a new book coming out. Well, all sorts of places, but yeah, his last yeah. one was hotels. So the latest book he's written is, is the top 10 scariest places to visit, right? Something like that. 10 haunted mansions or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So he's going to uh, the Weeping Beach Inn. He checks in. It's late. You know, after he's been driving through the credits all morning, listening to religious radio. Yeah, man, you want to and get- not like not like 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 you know. And God said Matthew six fifteen. It was like like and the flames of hell will blow. And I was like, dude, this is not what you listen yeah, to. No, it to you. This is Fire this is Rush stone. Limbaugh level energy going. You want to get my blood going? Put that on. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's like a movie thing where people are just listening to this as they drive through the back country or whatever. It's like y'all, that's a choice. Yeah, change it's, the station. It's the two thousands. You at least have cassette player technology in your car you've got a zoom yeah this was every time i got in the car with my dad dude no matter where we uh, went that shit was playing but the important thing is you're not hanging on to it <laughs> you let it go oh, yeah i'm a really well-adjusted individual <laughs> no influence on <laughs> so he arrives he's just wanted to get the key from these people but they're like did you see on the brochure it oh, said yes. this spook happens and this thing is like yeah 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 key Give me the key. I can't write if you don't give me the key. He's so they know unlikable. They know it's going to be a boost to like tourism. So they're like, you know, like, well, we got to really make sure this like goes well for us. So I expected them to fuck with him in some degree, but they do nothing. No, I expect, you know what I mean? I thought there'd be some sort of like tricks going on where, Ooh, they drop a spider from the roof or, Oh, the, <laughs> the, the wife like runs by the window in like a ghost costume. It's just a sheet. You like, hear that? Oh. Mark's wife. If you're ever going to get scared by Mark, it's going to be something simple, like a spider from the window or a sheet. You're not gonna have to worry about like a, a fake dead body in a bathtub or anything. You know, those spider rings. You get it like Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> but he ends up leaving. He's like, ah, nothing to report here, but the brunch was pretty good or something like yeah, that. Yeah. He gives yeah. You know, five out of six for the no, food. He goes, he goes six out of six skulls. Ah, fuck it. Five out of six skulls. <laughs> He's very unlikable right off the bat. And then we cut to the book signing, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Which I loved this scene because he goes to this bookstore and he's got some notoriety, but like not enough. He shows up and he's like, I'm here for this book signing. And they're like, oh, that's cool. It's over there. And he's like, no, I'm the, the author. And he's like, all right. Oh, that's you. Yeah. I see the resemblance. Yeah. That's a good picture. Thanks, man. All right. Hold on. Um, Attention, um, book lovers. Uh, tonight we have uh, noted a cult writer, um, Michael Enslin, at the uh, author's corner tonight. He's the writer of the best-selling Ghost Survival Guides, um, with such titles as um, Ten Haunted Hotels, uh, Ten Haunted Graveyards, uh, Ten Haunted Lighthouses. Well, that's tonight, 7 p.m the most just like half like half-assed announcement he's he's talking to like three people it's it's kind of a failed little like you know book signing press conference you know talk thing i hope to one day be part of something like that <laughs> where i'm supposed to talk about like my art project or something that i've done and there's like four people there maybe max and just be like all right so here's what's up yeah, it's the grave talk live show i want to achieve some kind of like celebrity and then okay. have it be that uh, level yeah and you could tell, like, he's so over doing this because they're asking. I was going to say, he's, he's done with this job, more or less. He's, like, he's just phoning it in, really. Like, oh, like, well, you get the question. He's like, oh, where's the scariest place? You know, everybody's like, oh, good question. I've never been asked that before. He's like, geez, <laughs> you're such an asshole. He These tells, are the four people that like you. You may want to play it up a little bit, right? <laughs> he tells the guy to go to the Haunted Mansion in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> so we see Mike. That's John Cusack's mm-hmm. character. Mike. Name. He's sitting on his surfboard, just kind of spaced out. And then he gets nailed by a giant wave where you think 
he might not come back up from it, but he does watch shore, starts spitting up water. When this came up, I was like, why are we even showing this? Like, what does I, this have to do with anything? My note says, this surfing thing feels very unnecessary and disconnected from this plot. Yeah, it was weird I at the time. Now, later on, I get like why they brought it, but it's still even then. Well, I think it's just trying to show that this guy's going through like a period of Enu or whatever. He's just really like semi- Say emu? Enu? E-N-N-U-I? Is, I don't know how you pronounce it. I thought that's how you did it. It's the word of the day brought to Sadness. you by he's, John. He's, he's oh, okay. melancholy and disconnected. And he kind of touches on that he wanted to be like a real writer or not real writer. That's dismissive. He wanted to be a more serious author because he wrote a book uh, that was you know about abuse of father or whatever. And it, it went, uh, I guess it didn't do well because now he switched to this more commercial schlock. People seem to only really like his first book though. Right. It's brought up twice about how that's been his best work. And we find out later that he had a traumatic experience where his daughter ended up passing away from cancer, cancer, cancer yeah. or something Which like I, that. okay, now this is a theory I had. Maybe you guys know. Because again, this didn't make sense at the end. He he has the cigarette, right? Mm -hmm. He goes out for smokes and he never comes back after his daughter died. Which uh, this is, had to be the origin of going out for cigarettes <laughs> and not coming back, right? No, no, I no, was that's, like, that's existed for years. I know, but man. I was laughing my ass off when I was like, this movie's gonna pull the cigarette gag. <laughs> but no, he's got he's got a cigarette, right? He obviously smokes, but he's like he quit, and I think he quit after his daughter died. I took that as he feels like he gave his daughter lung cancer and she died. No. And he blamed himself for that because she's got like lung cancer, I think, right? He. Do they ever I, say in the movie? They don't say what kind she has, but I don't think that's like what they were going for. Oh, see, I, I thought it was like, like he blamed himself to such a deep degree that he might have been responsible for her cancer that after that he, he couldn't shake that guilt. And so he fucking bailed. And that's why he had the cigarette with him, but he never smoked it as a reminder and as a way to punish himself. Am I thinking too much into this yes. movie than the writers so. did? Here's Damn it, I'm are. tired of doing this, Hollywood. I'm tired you. of putting some deep thought into things and having you guys be like, no, it's just a dog, bro. Let I me let me quote Benicio Del Toro from Sin City. Okay. Flip it, flip it for real. Oh, that's Usual Suspects. I mean, that's a good line. Okay. But he said, a smoker's always smoker when the chips are down. Mm -hmm. He has that cigarette. He even says so. This is in case the apocalypse happens or some bad shit yeah. goes south. So that's just like, dude... As someone who used to smoke cigarettes, there's times in my life where I'm like, dude, I could really go for one right now because it is such a stress reliever. But now you just do coffee enemas. Coffee enemas. <laughs> Let me tell you, you want to go with a Colombian roast. If you can mix that with a little Brazilian mm -hmm. nut, yeah. think a little, maybe a What's cinnamon those coffees, aroma. those coffee beans that the, the cats eat and then shit out? Use those, those. Even better, right? Yeah. <laughs> How many orifices can this pass That's through? I've been doing frappuccinos. No wonder mine have not been working. Oh, buddy. You must have been hopped up on the caffeine <laughs> after them. Up. Were they hot? <laughs> hot cappuccino? <laughs> anyway, 14 away. So, okay, so I, I tell you why he has the cigarette. It's because in the short story, he has a cigarette because the sad event of the short story is that his brother died of lung cancer. So you were close. It is an homage. This entire kid story is not there in the short story. Wait, the kid thing's not there? No. He's. Oh, he, Jesus. Why do Hollywood writers have to think you have to put a kid in everything? He quit smoking because him and his brother started smoking together, and his brother got lung cancer and died. And he's like, whew, I dodged a bullet. And so he quit smoking, but he keeps the cigarette there, like Mark said, in case of the apocalypse. That whole part was directly okay. from the okay. story. Well, shit, man. I thought it was this deep connection of him feeling super guilty, which would do the seventh level of hell thing where you basically suicides, like beat themselves up and, you know, like. But he does feel guilty. Seventh he, circle. Sorry, not the seventh level, but seventh well, circle. Well, he, he feels that they could have done more. Well, I think he feels guilty for feeling that way. 
Hmm. He felt that way at the time of like, we told her, we told our kid about heaven and how everything's going to be okay. And her friends will be there. And that caused her to give up and die. And this is all your fault, wife. And I'm going to go get cigarettes and move to California. And now I think he regrets all of that. Let me tell you, as someone that has been indoctrinated with religion for a good portion of his early youth, don't ever rely solely on prayer. Do everything you can. Well, they did. They took her to doctors. I know, but there's a a certain group of people that Mm. I am aware of that would simply refuse to go to the doctor and believe that they could pray the disease away. There's also the idea that God has given us the tools that we need to use. We are thinking, intelligent creatures. Science is here for a reason. And if you don't believe in God, I'm not talking to you. This is directly to people that are not going to take their loved ones into the hospital. (laughs) Well, there's that old Go to the hospital. They're important. You can catch stuff early. Go get it done. As someone whose dad who just had a heart attack and he'd been having pains for two years, don't put it off. Don't fuck around with your heart, man. No. This has been my serious moment of the podcast, and let's continue. I'll tell you. So you're telling me that the cancer thing with his daughter had really nothing to do other than the fact that that that's what killed her. Well, it's what is the inciting sort of incident for his decline, I think. Yeah, because we don't even know about it at this point in the movie. After he gets, he almost dies in the surfing thing, he wakes up, go gets his mail from the, the post office. Well, they plant the seed. That's what I think the book is, the long walk on the beach or whatever the hell the book's called. That's like the seed of, okay, there's more to this character. And then they develop it you know, as the movie continues. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> you don't like any of this, do you? So in, in, in your ideal world, would every character sort of come on the screen and then there'd be like a RoboCop biography like right next to him? No, right? absolutely Bullet points not. like the thing lost is, daughter to cancer. The really thing is, sad, man. Don't introduce things that could basically carry like emotional and like, you know, like life developing weight and then be like, oh, no, that was just a thing that happened. I mean, if it's something stupid, sure. But this whole movie, I, I my take from this movie is that this is about a guy dealing with an unfathomable guilt. Mm hmm. And like self-hatred and this hotel room, whether it be sentient like house on Haunted Hill and mm-hmm. and like be like, ooh, come to me, you know, come to daddy. Or if it's more just kind of like a people are drawn there a la a Hotel California situation, um, you know, like this is what he has to go through. And the thing is, is like, that's fine. But if you want me to go on this journey of you feeling guilty, you have to make me understand why you feel that way. Sure. Someone dying is sad, but like you left your wife. I understand later on. He's like, because every time I looked at you, I saw her, but that's fucked up. Yeah. And the thing is though, that's a selfish attitude. And the thing is, if you're that selfish, you're not going to beat yourself up over something like, and insur- I mean, I can't say what you would want to do for every person, but like, but it, you, it doesn't seem like he's going to be that invested in making like emotional and mental amends. He wasn't if, right. The room he wasn't, the room that. made him do that. And he wasn't self-hating. Well, not amends. I'm sorry. Like amends isn't the right word, but like, just like, you know, like beating yourself up so consistently, it seemed like he was more concerned about being a failed writer or a, a, you know, a writer known for something that didn't have like, you know, like meaning behind it. Then he did his daughter. And then like when Tony Schlub's like, are you going to be okay coming back to New York? I liked the fact that we didn't know what that was. But then later on, it was like, oh, he just fucking walked down on his wife. And I was like, oh, well, let's see how difficult was that between the two. They don't, we don't ever talk about it. I don't think John Cusack's character at any point was even thinking about any of the stuff that you're thinking he did. He wasn't a self-hating person. He had a moment of complete tragedy that rocked his life. And he walked away from that mm-hmm. life. He's totally fine being a has been writer. Like he's not trying to make amends or change that way when he was going through the like the press conference and then basically everyone was like, oh, I really liked your book, A Long Walk Home. And he was like, he you could tell in his face, he was like, fuck, yeah, so do I, because that actually had meaning that had you could tell that he longed 
to do something of value again. I think he was just, I feel like he was just cynical, right? What he did was become, he took this, um, this traumatic event and use it to become cynical. But yeah, I don't think he, if the, if the room didn't put him through this experience, I I don't think on his own, he was going to go reach back out to his wife and have this reproach. Oh, I don't think so either. Again, but that's the thing is like, that's why I thought his guilt and his self, like, you know, imposed like, you know, punishment on his own mind was so intense. Like, again, I don't think he would have done that, but I, that's the thing is like, I thought he was struggling with that more subconsciously, which is why he'd be attracted to 1408 as opposed to just being like, Oh, haunted ghost. I'll go check that out. Well, that is the interesting big question mark of the movie is who the fuck tells him about this room? Cause he goes, is it the hotel? Is it Olin? Is it? Yeah, I definitely don't think it's Olin. It might be the hotel to your point being central. So then what's up with Olin's thing at the end where he's sipping the brandy and he's like, Oh, congratulations, Mr. Epstein or Island Eslin. <laughs> Mr. Epstein. I don't know what his last name was. I, I Eastland? Enslin. Enslin. I think he was just happy the room got destroyed. I don't know. I got that he was more involved than just being like, ah, you win this round. I think he's just the hotel manager because yeah. he even says at some point is the, the corporation that owns this place just wants to pretend that it doesn't a exist. Japanese corporation. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I think he's just a man. He's like, we don't have to deal with 1408 anymore. Woo-hoo! He solved the problem. Less people dying Cheers. in my hotel. Let me sip this $80 a glass whiskey that I yeah. saved. I like the idea that he was some kind of conduit or some kind of connective tissue to this thing of like kind of protecting it, but also like he doesn't want people just like willy nilly going in, but like, you know, some people have to go in and he was like, all right, That's you want, you want to dance with the fire? I'll let you dance with the fire, but I tried to warn you once you go in, you may not escape. Well, I can tell you, Garrett, that you've put together some very good head cannon. Yeah, that's true. This is excellent head cannon. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm so happy right now. Unfortunately, I don't think the movie takes it that far. No. Especially on okay. a three-page short story. Yeah, okay. It's more than, <laughs> more than three, three pages. Yes. You're really stuck on that. I don't want I don't, Well, I don't want our fans to be disappointed. You're when right. Two go, and a half-page short story. I, I don't know how many pages it is. Maybe six. It's very short. It is short on the short story side. Okay. I read it in 15 minutes. So he wakes up on the beach after almost drowning. And I, I again, like what I thought was a young Chris Hemsworth, Runs over and is like, bro, you okay? Are you breathing? Like, yeah. Dude, he's spitting up water. You know he's breathing. Yeah, come on, yeah. help him out here. Um, he goes to the post office, goes to his P.O. box, takes his mail. It's a bunch of brochures from all these places claiming to be haunted, but he gets uh, one for 1408 that piques his interest. He gets a birthday card or something. Also. He does get a birthday Who's card. Who's that from? Fuck this card. Probably Shaloub. Yeah. You think so? Okay. That's like the only character that the movie introduced that shows any connection to this current cynical John Cusack. Well, see, I, I saw him as isolating himself, too, but I thought that was because of the situation. It's very well. Could be. Okay. Yeah. That and, that part could be true. Or just because he's so unlikable. He's very unlikable. He's such a dick to everybody. He thinks he's known at all. And to his credit, he's gone to how many of these true. quote unquote haunted places that are just bullshit. He's like me. I don't believe any of that stuff's real. I've never seen a ghost. Like you've said on on multiple episodes, we've got all these cameras in our pocket and we can't capture shit. That's true. Because it doesn't exist. I wish it existed. That'd be awesome. Me too. I wish someone would tell my mind that. The world (laughs) is boring. Some would say the world is a vampire. So he's he's looking at his mail. He gets a postcard from a hotel, the Dolphin Hotel in New York City. Get a rope. Mm -hmm. And it says, what is it? Don't go in 1408. Is it, is it ask about 14? No, it says like stay out of 1408 Maybe. or something like that. I can't remember the exact text. It's a warning. It gets his attention. And then he does some quick math. As we said, 1408 equals 13. 
And he Spooky goes, numbers. Gives a good harumph to that because he's not impressed. And then it cuts to... Him doing microfish research on the Dolphin Hotel. Right. And let me tell you, one of the coolest things you can still see in movies is people looking at microfish and having it projected on their face as they're looking at it. I love that effect. I was so happy to see that in this movie. Let's go back to that. Because I'm a professional, it says, don't enter in 1408. You motherfucker, you rad. Thank you. I, I took a note. I was like... We're going to want to know this. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> is microfilm still a thing? I feel like it's gone now, right? It exists. It's probably in the back of the library. They probably don't keep it up they've as well actually, as they used to. They've actually digitized quite a few, quite a bit of it. Have they? Such yeah. a shame. A lot yeah. of it's been digi- digitized. There was a big push. I don't even know how long ago, but I think I want to say like 15, 20 years ago to really start digitizing all of that. From a preservation standpoint, that's awesome. From a film standpoint, the obligatory fake Google scene is never as good as the microfilm scene. Nope. Nope. Going to Google and trying to look something up. It's in every horror movie now. <laughs> you who, you know. Well, John, let's go look at some microfish later. What do you say? Oh, man. I, I bet in the Austin Central Library. Mm-hmm. It's probably in a dusty, to the library! <laughs> dusty corner somewhere. So he tries to, he calls the hotel. He tries to book the room and they just hang up on him. They're like, yeah. mm, click. Well, I love the interplay because he's all like, I want to stay in uh, 1408. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, it's booked. He's like, I didn't tell you what day. Yeah. And he's like, what about Tuesday? Booked. What about next week? Booked. What about next month? And like, but he's like, what about two years from now? And they're like, click. Click. They had no time for his shit. So he gets, uh, he calls his publisher. Well, we, we cut to his publisher and they got a lawyer involved. And they're like, this, this has to be fucking bullshit, right? That's not a lawyer, right? No, it's it's Tony Shalhoub and whoever represents the publicist, yeah. right? It's one, it's like one of their guys, like, guess what? We found a loophole. There's a law that says if the room is unoccupied, they have to give it to you. And I'm like, bullshit. So I went down a rabbit hole and researched the fuck out of this. Yeah. And, and while there is laws that say you cannot discriminate against who can rent at your facility, you do not have to rent specific rooms yeah. based off certain. Now, you can't say you're a minority and you can't have a third floor room. You can't say you can't be in a hot tub room because you can't get in a bathtub. You know, like you can't discriminate like that. So they do have to technically rent to you if you want a specific amenity and it is available. But what they cannot do is basically say the room's empty. We have to rent it. That is yeah. bullshit. Feels like a weird law to pass. It was. Like, I spent an hour and a half. I paused the movie and spent an hour and a half researching the fuck out of this. I'm an idiot. You think the proprietors of the dolphin would know this, would ha- do something else. Like, ah, there's black lung in that room it's got the black mold it's it's contaminated you can't go in there lung pop. you know what i mean like there's ways around it they would probably get them on the yeah. legal up and up if this law was real which we know is bullshit too much coal dust in that room you can't go in there it was 76 37 coal miners stayed there one night they brought in the soot and it's never left the room you heard a big john well that's where he stayed they end up giving him the room we, he have, to, ch- we have to accept this point right. or the movie doesn't continue he goes to the front desk and they're like, oh, you're that guy. Yeah, it pops right. up on the computer, alert manager before checking in. Well, and the lady goes and talks to a dude, and I was like, oh, that's the manager. Yeah. And then he goes and gets Sam Jackson, and Jackson's like, like I'm the manager. Well, he's or just the assistant manager. Oh, okay. I don't know. I made that up. But okay, cool. Yeah. He's the assistant manager. He's like, oh, this is above my pay grade. I got to go get the big boss. So Sam Jackson comes out and is like, let's talk, my dude. And I fucking love the next 10 minutes of this mm-hmm. movie where Sam Jackson's describing the history of the, the, the room. Like he's kind of flat. He's like, look, I get what you're doing. He's trying to play it cool. And then eventually he, you can tell Sam Jackson reaches an impasse where he's like, sir, you quite misunderstand the situation. Now, I know the dolphin doesn't have the cachet of the plaza or the Carlisle, but we operate at 90 percent capacity. 
always. And my concern here is not for the hotel. My concern here is not for you. I don't want you to check into 1408 because I don't want to clean up the mess. Under my watch, there have been four deaths. Four. After the last one, I forbade any guests from checking into 1408 ever again. Just don't go in that room. He explains how they turn it down once a month with a team of people. They only go in pairs. They're only in there for 15 minutes max, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, like, one of the ladies got locked in the bathroom and then went blind. And mm-hmm. Cusack's like, well, what happened? Is she like, you know, well, and he's like, she gouged her eyes out with a pair of scissors. And I'm like, yo, my dude, like, this is no joke. Cusack, non-phase, yeah. still wants to go in this room. And he really takes his job seriously because Sam's like, look, we'll put you in 1407. It looks exactly the fucking same. You could just write that you were in 1408. He was like, no, my, my, my readers expect more. See, I got... I was like, no, they don't. No, I got something else out of that scene. I got that as basically because of whatever happened in his past, because of the fact that he feels like a sellout, like he needs to find... Like he needs something to justify what he's been doing. I, I know he seems like kind of blasé about it, but I feel like the reason he can't let this go is, is like he's got to do something that has value because I feel like he feels like everything he does doesn't have value. It's just like going through the motions. I think this has more just piqued his interest. Yeah. Like you think this so? One, this one is being a little bit different than the normal, like, hey, have brunch. Go stay in the room. Hope you make it through the night. Don't forget to rate us on Yelp. Maybe this is why it has a, a bigger problem with the ending, is I'm so invested in, like, this concept and this story and these characters, and evidently it's not that. Yeah, I saw the scene as a mix of what Mark was saying, that now he's kind of intrigued, and also he's, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. he's just a dick, and because he wants to stay you in that he's room. he's just stubborn in it? Exactly. Specifically okay. because they're trying so hard to keep him out, he wants to go in. I'm the head honcho yeah. of debunking bullshit. So let me in the room. See the name tag? You're in my world now, Grandma. (laughs) Sam Jackson's character, Mr. Olin even says, like, you want a drink? I know you said you don't smoke anymore, but even though you have that cigarette, which is weird. But I've got this bottle of whiskey over here that's like an $800 bottle from 1938. Tell you what, I'll give you the whole bottle. Don't uh, stay in the room. And he offers best. he offers Nick's tickets. He's like, while you're in town, I'll get you Nick's yeah. tickets. And then I was I, I texted you guys. I was like, if I don't see a fucking Nick's game in this movie. <laughs> Not a single one. But we do get a great Sam Jackson, damn it to hell, when he gives him the 800 bottle and he's like, I'm still staying. <laughs> it's such a great scene. It's like the best part of the movie. And finally, Owen relents. He's like, all right, man, you're making your own bed here. And he gives him a physical key. And Mike's like, oh, a key, that's quaint. He's like, well, electronics don't work in 1408. Uh, the key cards, like, fritz out and watches stop. And, and Mike's not buying any of that bullshit. He's like, he's like so, you're, so I have a pacemaker. I shouldn't go. Yeah. He's being a, a dick. I mean, he really mm-hmm. is being an unlikable, like, character. But again, I got that. I was okay with that because I got that as a, as a, as a person who has just died creatively. Like, his dealing with, like, personal shit. His creativity is not filling that void. I just, I, did, I saw him as an empty vessel that just needed something. He needed some chicken soup for the soul. Oh, he did. That's what he was God looking damn for. you, Mark. <laughs> Dude, sometimes I think, though, chicken soup did not prepare me for this shit. Speaking of chicken soup, I liked that, you know, uh, we did say that Mike had done some research. Mm-hmm. And Sam Jackson, Mr. Olin, came back and said, Did you know that 56 people died in here? I bet you didn't, huh? No, because some of them were weird, like things like drowning. And he's like, Drowning? Yeah, one guy drowned in his chicken soup. He's like, how'd that happen? He's like, you got me. What a way to go. Wait, really? That's I, I missed that part. Yeah. It was oh, like yeah. heart attacks, and then that one stood out. One guy cut his throat and cut off his own dick. So the guy who, <laughs> got, the guy who cut his throat was a dude in the, uh, the vent. I don't know if you saw that. As he was running, mm-hmm. his neck was flapping over it, and like it was like open. Oh, that was oh. the dude who cut his throat open. He also cut his dick off, so. Really? Yeah. 
I mean, too hot for TV. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's get back. To, let's get back. Let's get in this fucking room. He gets well, in the Olin room. Olin also gives him the stack of like oh, yeah. murder photos. Well, like, he offered it. He's like, I'll give you all this information. You can say you, you know all about this and stuff like that and write your book. Just don't go in the room. He and takes he was it like, and he's yeah. like, I'm going anyway. And yeah. at that point, I don't know why Owen so gave him the thing. Like, I guess you're committed, but I would have been like, then fine, fuck you too. Like, yeah. you don't get my, my, get my murder scotch binder. back. <laughs> but they literally have photos of the dead bodies. Like, I don't know how the hotel would get this file. For this is like what belongs in the police evidence. Insurance purposes? Maybe, maybe they took yeah, photos beforehand. Oh. Like their own oh. photos for their own personal file. The Dolphin it's Gazette. New York, the New York cops. Mark, uh, John used to live in New York. Are the cops crooked? Are they uh, going to lie about a murder scene? A cab. All right. All right. <laughs> Look, the, the the Dolphin Hotel has its own zine. Yeah. <laughs> it's for the pamphlets when the people come like look for things to do in New York. That's the microfilm he was looking at. Right. So my man gets into 1408, and as he's walking up into the room, um, he sees a lady with a baby walk into the room next to him. I guess would be 1410 or 146. Right. So um, he sees a lady with a baby, and he's like, oh, I've got neighbors at least. Okay. Uh, this movie does something that um, I find horrifying, listening to babies cry. Ugh. My God. Every time that happens in a movie, I'm just like, enough. I'm done. There's a lot of that in this one. Mm-hmm. But so but he walks into the room, and he goes, that's it? <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I guess it's just a hotel room. So he he's going to wander around the room with his little tape recording device, by the way. Talking shit about, that. oh, yeah, he does love his tape recorder. Yeah. Boring-ass paintings. He goes to the adult carpet. TV section. Mm-hmm. You know, looks at the, the porn movies, doesn't watch any of them. He goes, $8 peanuts. Maybe this room is evil. I like that line. <laughs> the mini bar. Fucking Those drinks off. are always marked up so high. Dude, it's insane. Never even look at the mini bar. They charge you if you look at it. Mm-hmm. So I just like none of my so business. So he runs to the bathroom, pulls a piece of uh, toilet paper off the roll, just yanks it. So it's all like, you know, uneven cattywampus and um, goes back out into the main room and then he goes to the window and opens the window and he's like, oh, it's your typical New York view. It's just a bunch of gray buildings. There's nothing exciting here. And then at that exact moment, the radio kicks on insanely loud. This movie had a very serious problem with audio balancing because it's loud and it's quiet. That's on purpose. Yes. I <laughs> That's that to was... make you jump. Yes. No, it did. Because it was like, I was like, God damn, I got to turn my TV down. We've only just begun. There you go, Mark. Well done. Well done. And you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give props. It did. It's an effective jump scare because this movie doesn't do that stupid thing where the score will like peak up before it gets scared. It's only ambient. Yeah, it's it just only gets like, loud. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know what? That was good. Environmental noises are the loud things. Um, I did like one thing before he goes into the room. He he passes an elevator onto the 14th floor that opens and he stares at it. It's like, this is your one chance to get out. Mm. Oh. And then he passes it by. I thought he looped. He did loop because he was looking at the pictures. Oh, okay. So okay. that was also, I think, part to like disorient us. But he does loop okay. and he sees that mm-hmm. elevator. I thought that was something getting off, something evil getting off. But then I was like, wait, it's already on the 14th floor. Why would I assume <laughs> that it wasn't there? Oh, that'd be so funny. You just see like a demon with a lunchbox. Like, <laughs> all right, time to get Just to like work. 1408, 1408. Oh, me too, bud. The clock punching <laughs> in. Like, ching. <laughs> time to get a haunting. So, yeah, so that happens. And as Mark said, it's only just begun, which I thought was clever. Normally, I don't like the whole like two on the nose shit, but I thought that was really funny. He goes over and he turns around and the, there's mints on the pillow. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? And then he's like, okay, someone's got to be in here. He goes in the bathroom, like looking around to see if anyone's in there, like flinging open the shower curtains and stuff like that. And then he notices that the toilet paper that he ripped is now folded all fancy and stuff like that again. And he's like, oh, what the fuck? And he's like convinced someone's in there at this point. He thinks he's like, aha, so then you must be in the closet and there's nothing there. And then his mind jumps to they're in the vents. <laughs> I was like, really, dude? 
<laughs> well, he does kind of look up there and he's like, what is that, a camera? And there is something weird kind of off, barely make That's it out. That's true. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that'd be interesting. If yeah, I didn't good. know what that was either, but he doesn't like, let's, encyclo- let's encyclopedia Brown this shit. And I was like, you know what? I love a good encyclopedia Brown reference. Yeah. Yeah. Then we hear the baby crying in the next room and I wrote loud next door neighbors are the real terror. So was the person or the woman pushing in, it looked like an old timey carriage yeah then the baby is she a specter well here's what's confusing so (laughs) oh finally here we go it was an old-timey carriage but when he is in the vents and he crawls over to that room it's his wife and his own baby. Right. So That's I what Mark's saying. Is it Was it a specter he saw that I, ended up being his wife and his baby? Or was there an actual person in that room? Can the room affect you outside the room? Everything we've led to believe by now is no. You have to be in the room to be affected. That's what also confused me because I was like, well, he hasn't entered his like, he, hell hasn't started yeah. for him yet. So I think it is a real person, but... It morphs into what his mind needs it to be when he actually gets to the escape possible outlet. The choice of stroller is what's really throwing me off. I agree with that. If it had been a normal baby stroller, wouldn't even question. It's like the untouchables. But it's literally the one like in Ghostbusters (laughs) 2 when it's going down the fucking street of New York. There was a moment in time where those retro strollers made a comeback. So I I can't remember. Maybe in 2007, we didn't think anything of it. We're like, oh, fucking hipster in their baby carriage. (laughs) Well, anyway. Typewriter at home, too. Yeah, hell yeah, man. That baby's like 20 now. That's when he's like, okay, fuck it. Let's actually look into this room. He does the UV light, sees the stains everywhere. I really like this scene because it's intercut. Because you with, could relate. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> no, it's intercut with like their, their ghostly dead bodies as he goes so, over each blood stain. So this right here, that kind of ghost effect and that kind of like, you know, like faded kind of like not always blue, but kind of sepia tone, like dead body ghost effect as he was like looking over the areas as they flashed overlaid. Mm-hmm. I love that effect. That's why when the TV ghost came up later, I was like, oh, like, oh, we had a cool effect already. Why don't we stick with that? But yes, he's uncovering more information about the room. And that's when he realizes, like, damn, it's fucking hot in here. The UV effect is cool, but it, I can't believe that they're using the same comforter from the murder <laughs> 20 years ago. No, I don't. Because he also says we do a light turn down. So eventually you change those sheets. Well, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't take anything out of that room just in case it's haunted. Or maybe none of that was there. And it was the room just fucking with him. True. Now, has the timer started yet? No, it's about to. It's room after. So basically the, 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 the heat goes up and then he calls the engineer. He calls the front desk and they're like, we'll send an engineer right, engineer right up. And they're like, he's like, oh, okay, cool. I thought there'd be more of a hassle to this. Something else weird happens because he's sitting on the chair looking at the painting and the painting starts doing some weird shit because yeah, it goes, starts moving. It's not what I'm seeing isn't real. It's just not as real as it seems. And I was like, what does that mean, John? <laughs> you're, you're already losing your mind, bro. And but, he, he gets knocked out of it by the knock on the door. And there's the engineer. And he's like, I'm not coming in there. I'll tell you how to fix it from here. And then he does, and then he leaves and never enters that room. Smart guy. He's quick, because he's like, he's oh, all you got to do is tap it. It fixes it. And Mike's like, oh, let me get you a tip. And he's already fucking gone. Yeah, no, these this people don't fuck around with this room at the hotel. Smart. That's when the radio kicks on again. It's like, we've only just begun. We're all going to take a crack at this, by the way. Mm-hmm. I should try harder next time. The Grave Carpenters. So the sound comes on, and suddenly he like the movie basically cuts all sound out because he he can't hear. He's gone deaf. So he sticks his head out the window and there's no sound. There's no ambient. There's a police car below him with a siren blare and he can't hear it. It's like that sensation when you get hit in the head and yeah. all sound just stops and there's just like a ringing. And then he pulls his hand back and the window pff, closes. And that's when the counter, he, like he's on the ground and he sees the 60 minutes or whatever. And he's like, oh, 
I get it. One hour. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then he's like pissed off because he goes to the bathroom to like wash his hands and it shoots out scalding hot water at like super pressure. Yeah. Yeah. The steam on it. And it's like into the wound Ugh. on his hand. At this point, he's like, okay, you know what? Funk this. He goes over to the thing. He's like, you win. I'm out. He goes to grab all his shit. He starts packing it up. And he's like, okay, let's go. Deuces. And he calls downstairs. And he's like, I'm fucking injured. Get me an ambulance. Because he tries to get out and he can't. Yeah. The door won't open. It eats his key. It breaks and the key gets sucked into the lock. He's so stupid. Then he puts his fucking eye to the keyhole. I thought the key was going to shoot out Same. and stab him in the eye. I was like, what are you doing? But anyway, nothing like that happened. He also looks through the, the, the eye hole and sees an eye staring back at him. Yeah, that was creepy. And for- that's when he runs to the phone. He's like, get me an ambulance. Get me the fuck out of here. Send someone up here. And they're just all like, nah, you're good, bro. For as tenured as this gentleman is, he is breaking real quick. I Look, I get it. I, I was like, you know what? <laughs> Never mind. Just kidding. I'm ready to quit. Look, when I was, I don't know, maybe 13 or 14, an old, old window fell on my hand and it hurt like a motherfucker. I was like, take my ass to the hospital. I broke all my fingers because uh, I was a little bitch. And uh, turns out <laughs> I didn't break any of my fingers. I was just a baby. But I get it. You know, I would have been like, no, it hurts. Get me still, home, that man. shit still hurts. Uh, so those old windows are heavy. They're not like modern windows. So all that mm-hmm. wood and shit. Mm-hmm. That's true. Plus, you got ghost power behind that. That's true. Yeah, it didn't just fall. It was yeah. slammed. That radio does pop back on and he unplugs it. And it well, he rips off. it out of the fucking wall and it's yeah. still playing. And, and when he's, he's talking to the woman on the phone, she's like, ah, well, sorry, your sandwich is on the way. And yeah, he's like, I didn't order no damn sandwich. So like, if you want to replace your fries with a side, uh, he's like, bitch, call me a cab. I was like, I like, she's like, don't take that language to me and I'll hang up on you. And I was like, like, wow, I'll get the manager. He's like, yes, get the manager. And then he just goes to hold music. And then he's like, fucking hangs up. Then he goes and he tries to shout out the window. And I was like, okay, I get it what you're thinking, Mike, but you're 14 stories in the sky. Nobody can hear you. Yeah. But he sees someone across the way in another building. This was fantastic. And he... We're doing the whole mirror thing. I move to the left, to the right. The person across moves with me. Yeah, it was Mike, right? It was him. It was him. Yeah, Yeah. well, it's a shadowy figure that looks like a different, like, body frame and stuff like that. But then as he starts moving, yeah, it starts mimicking him perfectly. And then he, like, eventually moves close enough to the window. He can see the face. And it's, like, another Mike. Very strange. And then behind that Mike is some burnt-faced lady with a knife. Uh, Was that a lady or a dude? It was a hammer. Well, it had long hair. Yeah. Could have been hair. either. It was Bobcat Goldway. <laughs> just, but um, no, like this person, this scared the fuck out of me. This made me jump legit because he's like, oh my God, there's someone behind that person. Then he realizes it's the reflection and he turns around and then someone lunges at him with a hammer or a knife, whatever mm-hmm. it ends up being. Um, and it's a crazy person just like trying to like fucking attack him and he's running around to get away from it. And then eventually it just disappears on him. Good scene. He picks up a lamp and throws it out the window and it just like zaps out of existence. Yeah, that was weird, but cool. I loved it. Yeah, super oh, cool. Oh, see, I so thought that was going more into that little... television thing that I like. It's yeah. like almost like he's on a program of some kind. And I, li- I like I, the I, I think it's great. And it started showing, okay, he's disconnected. And so now he starts to rationalize. He's like, okay, I was drugged. The scotch. Did I see Olin drink the scotch? We toasted. Uh, okay, so just I, I, I'm drugged. It's just five hours, and I'll be through this. And he's like trying to talk himself through. Yeah, he even he's thinks like, like maybe the candy on the pillow was poison right. too. 
I was like, Which is fair. I get yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, they, were, they were gummies from Colorado. So anyway, that's when he starts seeing the static people jumping out the window. He starts seeing like the different you know people that have been killed there. Most of the suicides at this point, though. Well, the television comes on and he sees home footage this of him and his daughter. Kid, yeah. So we start oh, to get the that ugly part. contest. Yes. Yeah, we start to get that backstory of his family life. And he you can see it really affects him. And it's when that television scene happens, then we start seeing the ghost appear as television figures. Yeah, and this woman, I guess, is going to throw herself out the window Every five minutes or something. Well, right? there's, there's, a, there's an old man. Too, yeah, there's yeah. an old man who jumps yeah. out first, and then there's a lady. And um, evidently, that lady was supposed to have lines. Like she was supposed to like hmm. be like like fuck you, Steve, or something like that, or you know like. <laughs> but I guess I they cut like it out that. or something like that. Fuck you, Steve. <laughs> but <Sure>. um, <laughs> as he's seeing that, he's like, okay, okay, what the fuck? And that's when he sees the wall that's all cracked open and kind of like bleeding a little bit, like the wall where the baby is. Um, on the other side. And I, I'm, I'm sure there's some kind of like metaphor, some kind of meaning for that, but I can't, I don't know what it was, but well, then you, you start banging on the wall and then the baby's cry. Starts that was earlier. Reverberating louder and louder. And he louder. throws a chair and that finally shuts it the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. And then that's when he goes back over later on where he threw the chair and it, the walls cracked as if it was like a huge fucking recliner or something. Yeah. Like that. And then he goes like a little bit before the, the wall bleeding, he does go into the bathroom and this is where he sees his dad. It's like a hospital hallway. And he sees his dad and he's like, dad, how did you get here? Like, and, he, and his dad just says some weird ass shit. Like, as you are, I was, as I am, you will be. Meaning you're going to be dead. Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be okay. Dead soon. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And now he's back to rationalizing. He's like, ah, oh, I'm having a nightmare. When did I last sleep? <laughs> and he's yep. like, he goes, looks out the window and he's like, okay, if I'm having a nightmare, if I jump, I'll wake up. Then he's like, that's a bad idea. And I respect that he did not uh, commit to his nightmare plan. You thought he was going to, right? Yeah. And I wonder if that's why a lot of the other people did it as well. Oh. They thought they could escape the nightmare by jumping out. Maybe. Because well, yep. he says you can't die in a dream. Right. right. So if I do something that's going to make me die in a dream, it'll just wake me up as opposed to. And actually, sir, Nightmare on Elm Street has shown me that you can die in a dream. <laughs> so I'm not risking it. No. So as this whole thing, I mean, again, we're going to burn through a lot of this because so much of this, as I mentioned, is just vignette. Like the paintings start moving and then like the storm happens in the room. Yeah, and- we're basically going to go on a roller coaster ride of haunting visuals. And this room can change space, size, time almost, you know, anything, Every, yeah. anything is possible in this room. So it's going to use all of its wiles to really get him to fucking crack. Well, cause he has a new plan. His new plan is I'm going to go on the ledge to the room next door. He like measures that. He's like, oh, shimmy feet. across. Yeah, I can do this. And he goes, he's, he's like, look, he gets his little recorder. He goes, if I fall, it was an accident. I didn't kill myself. The room did not win. He wanted to be very clear about that. So he shimmies across. Imagine starting a rivalry with a room. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Fuck that room. It's on site. Fuck you, bathroom. You're not going to win this one. <laughs> uh, that'd be awesome. I'll renovate you yet. <laughs> Wait till I get my sledgehammer. So, so yeah, he, he, he tries to shimmy over, over. And there's no windows. And the, this is the one time the movie kind of zooms out from the room and you see the whole hotel no longer has any fucking windows. It's like Just, a castle wall almost. Yeah. And there's no windows. And I was like, wait a minute, is this like Hellraiser type shit? Kind of. Yeah. Cause it's just a two windows for the room. So he shimmies back and then we get another jump scare. And where Tommy was there. Yeah. <laughs> he gets scared and he slips and man, almost just, falls. Yeah. yeah. He gets back in. This is where he's like, okay, screw it. I'm going to the vent. 
and he's going to use the vent to go next door. But did you mention as he's trying to claw him back into the window, the lady who's throwing herself out the window does it again. Yeah, it goes and spooks him, and that's where he almost falls. Yeah, and then you realize. So he well, he looks. He goes to the door. He looks at the "You Are Here" map. That's when we see it's all blacked out, and he looks through the peephole again, and it's just a brick wall now. Mm-hmm. And which. Is do you think this was when did Silent Hill for the room come out, Mark? It was 04, so that precedes this. So they okay, I was watching this, I was like, someone played Silent Hill and was like, This is what I want to do. I love these confined places that just it changes. You know, you yeah. look away, you come back, and you know, we had a lot of that in a PT uh, as well. This is the stuff that works for me, yes, and that's why I think this movie works for me. Because it is so confined, but they keep changing every little bit, and you just have to continuously be aware to it. My so problem dis- with that, though, is, is as I mentioned earlier, all this stuff starts happening so quick and so frantically that it just felt like... And the thing is, if it would have been like on the ledge... I covered my mouth, so I'll take that again. If it had just been like he was on the ledge and like was trying to get back in and couldn't do it, and then it was like, oh... Like, you know, like it's trying to keep me from getting back. Like if there was more of him, like understanding why each thing that was happening was somewhat or maybe somehow related to the trauma, the fear, the hate, whatever he's going through. Like if these things related to more of his personality and his character and his um, experience, I would have liked them more. But it just felt like a bunch of vignettes that they were just like, bam, 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 bam. This would be creepy. Let's do this. This would be creepy. Let's do this. And they were all effective. And I, I love that aspect too, Mark. It just felt like there was no growth when they were happening. Well, I think at this stage, the room is just trying to break him down. It's just fucking with oh, him. I think it means, no- when he was like, I'm ready to check out like 40 minutes ago, I thought he was broken down. Oh, that's step one, yeah. baby. We got to get you to step We've 10. only just <laughs> begun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there is any point right now except to just torment him because yeah. the movie does take kind of a break because now we flash to the hospital where they yes. find out it's him and his wife and they find out that their daughter has cancer and they're like, you know, lung cancer because of his smoking. Yes. I'm making it canon. Sure. That's good. It's good head canon. I like it. So yeah, they're like dog. The doctor's like, uh, Mike, you gave your daughter lung cancer. Don't jo- say that. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I want you to feel guilty about this. No, but basically they're like, look, we're going to fight this. There's all these new th- you know things that come up every day. And his daughter asks like, Oh, are there people where I'm going? Is it going to be scary? And it's really sad. The kid's a good actor. And Mike doesn't want to tell her this stuff. Right. But the mother is like, just fucking say it. So she's, she's like, comforted. yeah, you'll go to heaven. Yeah. And he's like, uh, it's like, and that's where the majority of the guilt comes from. I think him so. lying to his daughter it. in his last, in her last well, days, lying, lying in his eyes. He feels okay, like it's yeah, lying yeah, yeah. because he, she even asked like, do you really believe that? And he just like through gritted teeth is like, yes. And I was like, okay, dude, obviously we all know you're bullshitting here. Uh, hey, if you guys are dying, like literally in my arms, I'm going to tell you whatever the fuck you want to hear. Just yeah. FYI. I mean, look, the mom is totally right. What are you going to tell a little, well, she was seven or eight years old. Sorry, kid, you're going to die and go into the black void and will no longer exist. Like, why would you do that to a kid? If that's your belief, then okay, that's fine. But like, you know, the thing is the kid was obviously wanting something to Some be comfort. like, this yeah. is not going to be like a horrific nothingness. Mm-hmm. And the mom's like, all right, for you, baby girl, I got you. Little Sylvia, where you're going, there's free Frankenberry and Double Dare God episodes. God damn it with your Frankenberry. I want you <laughs> to know That's hell, quick. Mark. You're thinking of hell. And we do drive home again, right? The daughter's like, well, daddy, everybody dies. 
I was like, damn, now she's comforting you. You should feel like a piece of shit right now. Yeah. I also felt for John Cusack's character at this point, though, because what do you say to your child who's, I don't have kids. And I'm sitting there going like, my God, I could think of nothing worse than be like, let me explain to you why you're going to make it to eight. And that's it. Yeah, It's super sad, but you just tell them what they want to hear, what they need to hear. Or you pepper the truth in a way that's not just like nihilistically black, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say what you would do in that situation, but I think I would be like the mom. I mean, like coming as an atheist, well, see, this I would is just the say problem like, yeah, then, because if Mark was dying in front of us right now and you were all like, Mark, you're going to go see well, Mark's Jesus eight, and blah, so. blah, blah. <laughs> and I'd be like, Mark, look, I don't know what's going to happen out there, but you know what? You're going to go back to something bigger than us. John, tell gonna... me there's Frankenberry in the afterlife. Yeah, I hope not. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You know what? You're it's gonna... all booberry for you, fuckhead. <laughs> it's gonna, you're going to become a tree or, you know, whatever bullshit we tell ourselves. So he's, he's sitting on the ground after he almost fell out the window. All of the windows now brick wall Mm -hmm. in the peephole. It's brick wall. He's in case. And he actually plays back his tape recording of a message. He didn't say, Oh yeah. He plays a message back and he hears himself say, strangely, the bedroom has no windows and it freaks him out because he doesn't remember saying that. And he was just outside. I fucking loved that. I did too. When the recording said something different than what he actually never said, I was like, Ooh, my dude, you are tough. Toast. Yeah, yep. he is toast. And speaking of which, he checks the AC. Instead of being toast, it's getting frosty. Ugh, I think that might be worse. So he's he tries his phone, no service. He's like, what about the wireless? And I was like, oh, 2007. We called it the wireless? Did we call our computers the wireless? <laughs> oh, no. I thought it was Wi-Fi forever, but whatever. Break out the Tandy. I need to connect <laughs> to the 56K modem. <laughs> And he Yahoo messages his wife, who is, I get it, she's taken aback, but she is not really listening to what he's trying to tell her. I don't blame her at all. He walked out for smokes years ago and never came back. He Just has like not- the meme. <laughs> yeah, well, he's such a, such a dick. She's like, you never divorced me. We never separated. I don't know what the fuck we're doing right now. You just up and left. What the fuck do I do? Again, I do not fault this woman at all for being the way she is. Like, I've heard of ghosting, but ghosting your own wife? Holy shit. shit. That's next level. That's advanced ghosting. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, listen, we could talk about all this later. I need you to call the cops. Well, if you really wanted to keep up with my life, you should have just looked me up on MySpace. No, that's true. You could have shown up to my book signing. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, you took me out of your top eight, and I didn't know what was happening. You kept playing that horrible Linkin Park song every time I went to your page. Tom is still your number one friend. What the fuck? It should be me, your wife. Dude, I don't get these references. You weren't on MySpace? I was on MySpace, but I don't. The top eight, everyone was friends with Tom. He had the thumbs up photo. You could oh, put music. It was I really the annoying. music thing. Everyone's page was like pink and black and yellow and just The vomit. first thing you would do is go pause the track playing immediately. Yes. He's like, stop it. <laughs> I don't care how many minutes you put into fucking curating some weird playlist for your MySpace. Uh, I'm not listening to it. I don't miss that part. I'm glad music is off of social media. <laughs> anyway. So, God, you guys. Imagine you go into somebody's Instagram page. Nowadays, I don't, look, look, let's p- imagine we watch 1408. Let's Up go. Next, let's roast live journal. Yeah. Oh, you know what though? <laughs> Angel fire pages. We could put our own podcast as our <laughs> yeah. soundtrack. Anyway. So she's like, okay, I'll call the cops. And then the sprinklers come on, but his computer's on the fritz. And he's like, this is some bullshit. I'm going in the vents. 
and we get Die Hard. I, look, I've been in a lot of hotel rooms. He should have picked up his recorder and said, yippee guy, motherfucker, right as he climbed How up. could the same shit be happening to the same guy? I've never seen a vent you could crawl in that's people-sized no. in a hotel room. No. Maybe the dolphins built old enough to when they still had people-sized vents or something, but... That'd be bananas. So he goes in there, and he tries to get to the next door room, and he succeeds, and he sees his wife with his baby. Yeah, he's looking down through the vent at the lady and then she says his name right she's like mike can you come in here and he's like wait a minute and she looks up and uh sees it it's his wife and he's like holy shit and we get the implication that he's a shitty dad because this is just when like his baby won't stop crying the implication nothing he is a shitty well, yes. dad his baby won't stop crying he's like i need to go get cigarettes like really you don't want to support Hence, your wife he gave his baby lung cancer yeah exactly uh you know he should have stopped blowing the smoke right was in her face. Whole, was was he in the room he was yeah like and he says i'm going yeah, to get you cigarettes. see him walk into frame but not his face oh, okay yeah he hmm. goes i'm going to get cigarettes and then he storms out. It's his voice. It basically, he's recalling a moment that the that the the room is like, remember this, dickhead? Mm. And he's like, yeah, okay. shit, I remember this. And he turns around to go back and he Dusty can't. Mummy Man. Yes, the guy who slit his throat. Is in there chasing him in the vent, which is a very good effect. I thought it was really well shot. Which I, I also found out there's another, supposed to be a line where the guy is like, sew it back, sew it back as he's chasing him. I kind of wish he would have said that. Yeah, because yeah. he was talking about his dick, not his throat. <laughs> uh, because like, like, sew it back, I made a mistake. Because the thing is, like, I saw that character and I was like, oh, I want to know who that was. And I went and looked it up and like, evidently that was the dude who's neck. Oh, is this where, like, you remember when we did 13 Ghosts and there's like all these pages about the history of the 13 oh. Ghosts? Is there one for this movie that like, goes into no, detail for No, every... no, no, no. This was something I was, I was like, that guy's neck was cut open. I wonder if that was the same dude. And I actually like looked it up and yeah, yeah that'd it be is. cool though. Okay. It was supposed to be, it's supposed to be that guy. Well, he gets grabbed by the dusty mummy man and he's kicks his getting, jaw open. Yeah. Kicks his jaw off and then he falls through the ceiling and just crushes the table that he climbed up with Ooh, back into his room. And he goes, it's good to be back. Yes. <laughs> I loved that line. I was like, okay, a moment of levity. And I get what he's feeling. <laughs> yes. The evil, you know. So he says some of the effects is like, man, I need a drink. And he goes to the mini bar. It's my favorite scene. he opens the fridge and it's framed in such a way that I was really wanting to get one of those peewee stop animations. (laughs) We did open the fridge and all the food's dancing around and stuff. (laughs) But alas, we didn't get that. Instead, it's like a black frame with a small opening and on the other side is Sam Jackson's character, Mr. Olin, talking to him. I like to imagine he's very tiny. He's just a (laughs) tiny little Olin. It's like a Brechtian type play type thing. But yeah, he's like, like, I don't know what Olin says, but he's like, are you ready to leave or something like that? Or I can't remember. He just fucks with him. He's like, are you having fun yet? Like, I told you the room was evil. Da, 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 da. And then, yeah. You wanted to do this. I tried to warn you. Kind of bullshit. Which also made me think that Olin was involved in this somehow at a higher power. Like, he could see what was going on. He was experiencing it to his own degree. That's why at the end, when he's drinking the brain, he's like, well played. I was like, oh, shit. You know, Mike Inslin won Devil Zero. I can see where you got that. But I I think there's more of the room just deciding it was time to give him a little more reality-based horror. Yeah. Just you know, fucking with him. Instead of like flashback based horror. Gotcha. Him walking out with cigarettes. Right. So then he goes, all right, it's time to get answers from the good book. But you, you got to mention that he fucking thrashes that <laughs> fridge because it, 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 it's behind his back and it shows him yelling at cans of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much. It's like, oh, that's hilarious. And he just loses it and fucking rank, yanks out all the grates or whatever yeah. in the fridge and all the food all goes the flying everywhere. Yep. But yeah, then he goes and he looks for the Bible. He's like, let's see what's in here. And it's just completely blank. I liked that. It was just all blank pages. But then he ends up like going into the bathroom, which is iced over. It is cold. It is freezing. 
he is basically taking pages of the Bible uh, playing cards and he's burning them in a little fire in the bathroom and he's like trying to stay warm. And again, it's one of the... Well, it's also the files. The files yes, about the, the room. Files. He's burning the photos yeah. to stay warm in this room because yeah. it's now negative five. Free, yeah, well, yeah, thermostats don't go to negative, but it's a, it's a devil thermostat, <laughs> I back get to, it. Back yeah. to the circles of hell thing, mm-hmm. the Dante, you know, like divine comedy shit. So, I mean, it, it's like, it was like, oh, okay. And then his computer pops back on. Well, before that, we have one more flashback. Oh, I'm it so is, sorry, John. Go ahead. This is an important one. It's of his daughter dying. It's the day she dies. And this is when he screams at his wife. We shouldn't have told her all of that bullshit about God. It's why she gave up. You comforted her too much. You could have fought harder. There's more we could do. I'm going to get cigarettes. You told her about God. So she gave up on fighting cancer. Yeah. What are like? Okay. That's a jump of logic. But and then the room fucking faxes him the dress she was wearing. Yes. I was like, that's I was like, yo. And then he goes and starts cleaning it. Yeah. And I'm like, my man. Again, this is why I thought he felt more responsible specifically for her death because of a relation of something he did. Again, just not being like, we should have told her about God just seems like such a weak premise for being that upset about yourself. He's laying on the ground, talking into his recorder, trying to determine exactly what level of hell he's on right now. <laughs> yes. This could be level six. This is the first reference where he's like, he's like, well, I've made it to this level. Blah, blah, blah. Like, this is where the reference to the circles of hell kind of come in. So the circles of hell, circle one, limbo, circle two, lust, gluttony, greed. It's all the seven things, but basically each one, circle two, lust, the souls of lust are innocently blown and spiraled in the winds of a violent storm. Part three, their, their cold nature, the souls of gluttony suffer the coldness and seamless of the icy rain. So he was on level three then. That's he what he three. said. He said, I survived. I'm, so I'm on level three. Oh my God, there's still so many more. Like he's basically mm-hmm. like acknowledging where he is. There's one where there's like smelted gold that people can't get out of. Yeah, no, that's again, I thought that's what they were going for in this movie. But then it doesn't make sense if this shit's those people killing themselves aren't related to that level of of six or seven. He's wrong. Yeah. It's not levels of hell. It's just evil fucking room. Yeah. Okay. That's what Sam Jackson says. It's just fucking with them. Because he even remember he before he even goes in, Sam Jackson, he goes, I'll go say something about the phantoms. He's like, I never said phantoms. Yeah. He's like, Well, sorry, specters. He's like, it's not specters. It's an evil fucking room. Yeah. And that's it. Classic Sam Jackson line delivered awesomely. And yeah, it's just the room is just fucking with him. So So he's cold as balls and his computer kicks back on and it's his wife. And it's like, Mike, are you there? I called the cops, but they're in the room and no one's there. I like that. I was like, oh, shit. And then he's got the picture in picture where you can see like his face on it. And it's like, well, why don't you come down here and help me? And she's like, "Okay." And he's like, wait, I didn't say that. And then the computer like winks at him or something like, aha. Well, a brand new window pops up in the middle of their conversation and it's another mic. Okay, that's what it is. Maybe it's the mic on the other side of the street. Remember the one he saw in the building? Evil Mike. Evil Mike. The upside down Mike. Bizarro Mike. (laughs) I want to be like Mike. And he's like, just come on down. Don't tell anybody. Just go straight into the room. And she's like, okay. Yeah. She's, he's like, I just, I've missed you so much. She's like, honestly, oh. she, at this point was uh, give her, let's give her some credit. She is like, okay, I'm worried about you. You haven't contacted me. This is what you're doing. You're True. freaking out. They're there. You're not there. Like, I understand. Like, honestly, if you guys call me with some crazy shit like that, I'd be like, all right, I'm coming to get you. Yeah. There's no reason for her to think otherwise. Yes. Except that this guy's a dick. Why would she be rushing back to him? Because they're still married, bro. And that means something in this day and age. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so the painting comes alive, the one of the ship. Yeah. That's been lost to sea, and just water starts pouring into the room. Mm-hmm. The room disappears, and now he's just in a giant body of water sinking to the bottom. I hated this part. 
it's so overproductioned and it, I mean, it looks cool, but like, I was just like, okay, again, this is where it just felt like, like they, we wanted it. We have a cool idea. We're going to do some shit. This is the room turning it up to fucking 11, man. I wanted there to be a cut of him in the room with his face in soup. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been, been laughing my ass. That would have been great. But no, what happens is, is all of a sudden we inadvertently revert back to the scene on the beach where Mike is waking up, coughing up water from getting hit by that wave. And the beach was in uh, Malibu. It was, right. In California, by the way, because he left New York to get as far away right. possible as possible the situation. Yeah. And then he's in the hospital. And his, wife's, and his there. wife's there. And he's like, where am I? L.A. or wherever. He's like, am, am I in New York? Am I in New York? And that they actually, when he says that, he's like, wait a minute. And you look at the, e- the, the uh, not the EKG, whatever the fuck it is. It's heart rate. Heart rate, heart rate. It's flatlined. And so he goes like, am I in New York? And then looks at it and it starts bouncing again. And mm. I actually rewound it. The scene before, it's bouncing normal. At that point, it's flatlined. And then when he's like, Am I in New York? And then it starts bouncing again. Interesting. Yeah. I like this that. is the level of shit that I pay attention <laughs> to. Not the plot, evidently. No. And and so then he just starts like re like living his life, basically. He goes on a din- dinner date with his wife, and this is where he tells her, like, look, I'm sorry, I left. It's because every time I looked at you, I saw her and I didn't handle it well. Just well, a bunch they, of bullshit. They go back to the beach to get his car, and he's got like six tickets oh, on it. He's yeah, like, there's six hundred bucks. Yeah, and this plays out for such a long time. Right, he writes a the whole movie book. movie makes you okay. think that we're done here. Because I first mm-hmm. I, I wrote down, I was like, oh, fuck you. Was this all a stupid dream? I was like, was he really dead the whole time? I was like, this is dumb. And then we get the He writes that, a whole novel. Yeah. He goes, he goes to, um, he goes to the hospital. There's a whole long scene there. He goes to the beach. There's a whole long scene there. They go to the diner or the restaurant. There's a whole scene. That I was like, this might not be a dream. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, the, 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 the hotel room was fake. Except when he wakes up on the beach, this is what made me second guess it. When he wakes up on the beach the first time, he sees the, the um, plane flying oh, the over ad. with the insurance ad, and it says, like, you know, for cheap insurance, call 1 800 65 blah blah 1408. Mm. on the the flag and yeah. i was like oh shit this is fucking with him it's making him think he's out but then we get to the restaurant and i'm like well maybe he actually did get out what the fuck and he writes a whole story about 1408 and the horrible nightmare he awoke from the first sign that something is wrong besides the 1408 on the plane is in the dinner date he sees the and lady the flat line and the flat line i didn't notice the flat line okay. so the third sign the most obvious one yes he's in the dinner date and he sees the the person who keeps jumping out the window the lady mm-hmm. as one of the waitresses mm-hmm. and he looks back and it, it's not her but it's like hmm, okay weird ptsd yep. maybe uh then he goes to the post a real office. misery situation it could be he goes to the post office and the guy at the counter it looks just like someone from the hotel. And he's mm-hmm. like, mm. it's all the hotel staff. Yeah. Everyone there is a hotel staff. And then they just start fucking wrecking the post office. And I was like, that must've been fun to shoot. Oh yeah. Today is demo day. <laughs> Come out with your sledgehammer. We're going to bust this scene down. Yeah. They're breaking down the walls of the post office and behind it is like the fucked up walls of 1408 and the outside brick walls and shit like that. It's a great scene. It is great. However, I think the, the special effect that follows it up is a little cheesy. What's the, the room starts spinning around and then it's like multiple John Cusack faces kind of overlaid each other oh. and then boom he's like back in the hotel room but it's all burnt to a it crisp. It is torched. It is like yeah. I think that little transition scene was a little too schlocky. For I don't me. remember the face thing but it's just camera, camera spinning around him while he's okay. making faces kind of thing and okay. then we get some of the best Cusack acting when he's like I was out <laughs> I was like oh home run bro give this man an Oscar I thought mm-hmm. he took a cigarette and burned the room down at this point and um i was like oh that's kind of clever but 
No. I don't know what this represents exactly. Why the room is so destroyed. Because he hasn't, to Garrett's point, blown it up yet. Maybe, We've yet to get to that point. See, I thought he did it, and this was just basically we're seeing the aftermath, because as it was burning, he went into this like fantasy-like repeat from the beach world. But evidently, he hadn't burned it. It was just a burnt environment. And in the middle of the room is a door frame with a door not connected to any wall or anything. A freestanding door, yeah. Yeah, he walks up and touches it and makes sure it's real. And he says open, or he goes, metal knock. Um, (laughs) For all my Gandalf fans out there. um, He says open it, and it just kind of slowly... Because he tries and he can't, it won't open, and he just yells to open it, and it opens. So behind the door... Or no, behind him is when we finally see his daughter. Yeah. Right? This is where the daughter materializes. Such so what, a sad scene. What was in the door? I don't, maybe it was, it was I don't know. It was just blackness. It was like nothing. And like laughter, children laughing and like random sounds. Maybe that's right? the other side. Hmm. It's just almost like a misdirect until he turns around and sees his daughter. I thought that was his actual way out. So I thought like he was actually in this burned room where he burned it down and he was like, okay, here's where you leave. But before he actually walked in, his daughter's behind him. I don't think you get to leave. When you die in this room, you're stuck forever. Yeah. You're stuck as a really? fucking TV ghost. I think so. And you're just maybe stuck you have repeating to accept, your death over and over maybe, and over Or again. maybe you have to like fully accept something and that's how you get out. Like I don't nothing. think there's no. an escape. Yeah, I, th- I think like the maybe one of the reasons you don't like this movie is because you think the room's trying to teach you something. It is just torturing you. It is a sadistic room. It's, there's no lesson to be learned or they don't want you to... Even ex- the Cenobites taught you a lesson. No, this room <laughs> just wants to punish you for existing. You that's called life already. I'm good. <laughs> 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 anyway, okay, so he opens the door, but as he like, he doesn't go through it because behind him is his daughter Katie who's standing there and she's like daddy and he's like you're not really Katie and she's like how could you say that and then he's like oh my god you're Katie and it's like they embrace I expected it to be a demon I did you too know, I thought it'd be something evil and nefarious oh but I didn't think it would be that real sad shit because she's like do you love me I want to stay and and but they won't let me stay and then he hugs her and he's like of course I love you and then she becomes ash like in his arm and then he tries she, to scoop up all the ash well, she goes you, limp first well, yeah. yes did you notice though like he was like looking totally normal before he opened that door when he opened his door his ears started bleeding mm-hmm. like and his, his nose yeah his blood and, like out, coming out of his nose and ears which I thought was like I was like oh this is like okay he's going over but see the thing is is like you said you thought it was gonna be a demon I thought it was gonna be more of a like they're gonna really like dig the knife in and be like well you yeah. totally abandoned me or you know if you hadn't been smoking this wouldn't have happened to me like really just <laughs> fucking go for it and just make him feel like because if it was just torture there's better ways to torture people but it's psychological get, I know but you can get deep with that psychological shit if your daughter says you're responsible for this because of this thing that you do that you did to my mom because you went out for smokes the same thing that killed me you a piece of shit my man I think, he would have fucking lost his mind I think what we missed is this whole movie is just one of those truth anti-cigarette yes. ads. <laughs> it just cuts to Katie smoking. I learned it from you, dad. Yeah. So as you mentioned, though, she like crumbles after going limp and dying again in his arms. He, she crumbles into like fucking charred ash and then he's like trying to scoop it up and then he like screams like con or whatever the fuck he does. And then the, he's back in the room regular. The radio kicks on again. He starts losing his shit. We've breaking. only just be. You guys are going to join me on this one. Okay. One, two. I don't three. sing. No, I'm just oh. kidding. <laughs> so he, it, it, there's 36 seconds left on the clock. He starts smashing up the entire room. 
Uh, passes the Jordan. Pippen's up. He goes with it. He shoots it. It's the buzzer beater. Bang. And he falls on the ground, and I think he might be trapped under some debris, or like the clock is now under did debris. Did you just pull off my debris? I did. Are you adopting it? I did. I you did it so smooth, listeners, too. <laughs> listeners, let me tell you, everyone used to make fun of me for that, but it's catching on. He's staring at the timer, and then it hits zero. The room goes back to normal. Like nothing has happened, and he's just laying on the ground. I was like, really? And the clock resets. Well, not quite. Oh, wait. It's a phone call. Phone call, yeah. Oh. So I'm like, okay, movie, is this how we're going to end? It's all over. You can walk a free man. Don't worry about it. You know, kind of situation. Would you be, so hold on, before we, if let's say that's how it ends and he could just leave, the door swings open. I don't know that he'd be a free man. Imagine going through that experience. He's fucked. He's going to need some serious, he already needed serious They say therapy. what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah, not well, this. <laughs> my, my meaning is I think it would be a weekend. It would be a weekend. That's what I'm saying. Uh, thankfully, of the four, this is I not you said, I thought you said it'd just be a weekend, and I was like, man, <laughs> damn. That's a normal bender for me at the hotel, Motel 6. <laughs> Where do you think that blood came from? <laughs> right, um. I was there just moments before. But yes, then the clock turns back to 60 in the phone ring. And he picks it up and goes, why won't you just kill me? And the lady on the other end says, well, we believe in something called free will. However, we do have an express checkout system. And then, like you said, in every room, all these nooses <laughs> appear. And it's like, okay. I so, got to call bullshit on that. It is, if you're just reliving the same hour of torture over and over again, it's not free will. That's not like, oh, your free will choice is torture or death. Well, it's a very cynical look at free will Fair or something enough. where they're twisting it. Yeah. It's not exactly free they will. Just, they just want him to kill himself. I guess the question is, though, this stuff only happens when he tries to escape. Just accept it. Stay in the room. Become one with the room. Work on your great American novel. At this point, you've got something to talk about. You already wrote it once. <laughs> is this Start a, typing a, again. A Zen Buddha type thing? Like if you just become one with the room, mm-hmm. it would stop. There you go. That could be it. He's got to reach Nirvana. That's how he beats the room. But he doesn't believe in Nirvana. No, and he doesn't believe in hanging himself either. At An this open... point, it's a it's a matter of like you know, like oh, you're not getting your way. What did you guys think of just the open grave that shows up in the middle of the room with a tombstone next to his daughter? Yeah, that was a bit cheesy. That, that was, was a bit. Cheesy. Yeah, I was like, come on. But he sees his reflection vanish, and then in the mirror, he sees himself hanging himself with a bed sheet, and that's when he decides no. Oh, fuck you. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to go out on your terms. I'm done arguing, I think mm-hmm. he says over the phone. The phone also starts melting. Weird. And he says, all your friends are dead. Yeah, they <laughs> like, and this Silent Hill, man. Silent yeah. Hill. Weird, because like, I don't know. It, well, it's not Silent Hill, because this was in the, well, it was no, in the, the Silent story. Hill 4 came out before. Before the movie, maybe not the story, oh, though. It doesn't matter, though. But they started saying, two, this is two, five, this is five. And I was like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe the people that killed themselves, the number of the people that killed themselves. Look, sometimes cryptic shit can just be cryptic shit. That's true. It's creepy. Right? It was creepy. Mm-hmm. I will admit that. And then he's like, I'm going to burn this fucking place down. And I was like, wait, go get him, Mike. This was, so he makes a Molotov cocktail out of that $800 whiskey, goes in the bedroom, throws it, shatters against the wall. It's burning. He goes and sits down, lights a cigarette. He's smoking it up, and he's like, this is the apocalypse. I bet you he know? enjoyed that fucking cigarette. I bet he did. Man, he earned it. He did. He earned it. <laughs> a hotel outside of room 1408. Now we've got the smoke alarms going off. We didn't mention, but the sprinklers do off go off a couple times in the movie. Yeah, they go off to try to stop him, and he's like, it's too little, too late. Like, he's taunting the room mm-hmm. at this point. And so the hotel's being evacuated. Uh, his wife pulls up in the front as the cops are like trying to keep people away 
from going in and keeping people out. And they're like, my husband's up there. And then um, we cut to Sam Jackson's character who's in the hotel just sitting in a chair drinking a glass of brandy. I'm assuming $800 brandy. Definitely. And he's like, well played, Mr. Mike. You win this round or whatever the fuck he says. And he just sort of smart or like no, I, he says something smart ass like you win this uh, round or well played. I just wrote Sam Jackson's impressed as my notes. That did not help me remember what happened. Yeah, he said he says, well done, Mr. Insulin. Well done. Uh, as he's so that made me think like, oh, he's involved in the game. He's got a stake in this. Like he's like, OK, I think he's just proud that his boy got out. He's yeah. the first one. He didn't expect him to survive the night. Yeah, which I didn't think. OK, so let's get to this because I fucking hate this. I hate the fact that he survives after he's done with the cigarette. He takes the ashtray in his hand and he goes I give this room 10 out of 10 skulls <laughs> and he throws that ashtray through the window the oxygen fills the room yeah. and stokes Creates the fire and it goes off like a bomb and then his wife and the firefighters look up and see the room explode <laughs> and that's how they know where to get him and yeah. then I guess he's okay-ish well it right? depends on the ending that you got so this is where the movie starts to split in the streaming ending, the one that if you watch the movie right now, you're most likely to see, yes, firemen go and rescue him. And he pulls and he's like, don't go in the room. And they're like, what the fuck is this man saying? And then it cuts to Does he climb out of the room or they get him out of the room. They drag him out of the room. OK, I was like, because he says don't go into the, that room. And I was like, didn't they just go in that room? Mm-hmm. He's on fire. So maybe <laughs> <laughs> not thinking clearly. Yeah. Uh, and then it cuts to, you know, he's like writing his novel and, and it cuts his, to him covered in grimace shake. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and his wife's like, wow, you've never written this fast. And he goes, well, I've written this book before. Okay, wait. So you're talking about after he's healed, he's in the, their their new home. Yes. Right. Okay, okay. I didn't hear you make that transition. I was like, no, he didn't just pull him out and he's like starts writing. No, it cuts. <laughs> they, it fades out and cuts to that. Yeah, his wife and him are back together, which I was not thrilled with because I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. How do you reconcile this other than a traumatic thing happened? But then again, you're put into a caretaker role at that point. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that marriage would keep its legs but no, there's a there's a few other moments in there, like he says that lily saved his life because she's the one that got him to go up in the room and say and get him out of there oh and the wife kind of looks at him like you crazy fuck she's dead he couldn't have been there like she doesn't she actually acts like she doesn't believe him yeah and she's like can we that. just throw all this smoky shit out yeah and they, they do say the dolphin's been closed down for the moment yeah to repair the damage, so she's she's taking all the burnt items out of there and he's like no not this not my tape recorder and he takes it and he goes and sits down at his desk and he plays the tape recorder and we hear the daughter's voice, the conversation they had when she went limp and died in his arms. Mm-hmm. And, and she sp- drops the box in disbelief. The wife does, yeah. yeah. And shows that this all did actually happen. That the thing, the ghost was real. Yeah. I thought this ending was fine. I like this ending. I'm good with it. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was the alternate ending then? Because I did not enjoy this ending. I mean, I liked the tape recorder reveal. That was kind of a cool, like, ah, ha, ha. I well, don't know. Go ahead. Tell me what the alternate ending the was. The theatrical ending. There's four you said, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because then there's also the one from the book. So, so we saw that we saw the one we saw, which was streaming. Right. That's like the the main ending now. If you okay. go get this movie, this ending is what you're gonna a. see. The theatrical ending is he dies in the the room, and it cuts to a funeral, and he's being buried next to his daughter, just like they showed those two g- grave plots. Mm-hmm. And Olin comes with all of the the guy's junk and tries to give it to his wife, mm-hmm. and she's like, I don't I don't want this nonsense. So he goes back in his car. And he looks up and he sees a burned mic and he's like, ah, and a then, burned mic, like Mike, a ghost oh, mic, like burnt. Okay. Yeah. And he gets startled and then it cuts to the hotel room and Mike is a TV ghost in there. 
just sort of wandering around. Oh, I liked it until you said TV ghost. Well, yeah, they're all TV ghosts. Yeah. Okay. We're all ghosts here. In the short story, Mike sets himself on fire, not the room. And basically they drag him out and that's the end. Oh, they drag him out. Yeah, they get Mike out. He doesn't die. He's just like all burnt up and shit. Burnt shit. Okay. He's got to live with that. And then I don't know the fourth one. Mike dies in the fire instead of the funeral scene from the director's cut, which I think is the one you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, The sounds of the funeral are dubbed over shots of L.A. Lily and Sam, which Sam is Tony Shalhoub's character, sorting through Mike's stuff. Uh, Sam returns to his New York office and discovers the manuscript Mike wrote while he was in room 1408. As Sam reads the story, audio from Mike's experience in the room is heard. In the final scene, Sam's office door slams shut and you hear Mike's father's voice say, as you are, I was, as I am, you will be. That's way better. No. No. I like that. No, because the haunting left the room. I don't like that at all. Well, because the items left. I don't like that. Again, they take the sheets out of there for a reason, bro. Yeah. It's the room. There's no haunting, though. The room is evil. So, yeah, I don't like... I, I like the I feel like the happens. room is just a, a catalyst for this evil that exists. Because yeah. maybe it's not the room anymore. Maybe it's a uh, an RV going forward. Maybe it's a... Um, a bunk bed. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's a car named Christine. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, again, this ending wasn't terrible. I really liked the microphone part of it. I just hate the fact that he lived through it. It would have been cooler if the, the wife basically was going through it. was like, oh, it's all his burned shit. And she's like, whoa, his microphone or his like tape recorder. And she pushes play and then here's the conversation between Lily and him. And she's like, what the fuck? And then cut the black. I thought that would be a much more impactful. You get both, both sides of the coin there. Yeah, I mean, I could see both I, I i don't i really cannot remember what i thought of the ending in 2007 knowing me i probably thought it was fine i think most things are fine you saw so. the theater though i did yeah because that's when i was working the theater well i really enjoyed this movie i don't think it's one that i will really stamp a rewatch on maybe more than every 15 years <laughs> because i think once you go through it that's kind of the experience right it's like a roller coaster ride of spooky shit going on it's done very well though and i think it's very creative and yeah very well produced so I, I would rate this one pretty high. I'd give this one a four star. For a Stephen King short story movie, mm-hmm. this is pretty good. I also gave it a four star. I, for some reason, I don't know why, this is just one of my comfort horror movies. I put it on like whenever I don't know like what I want to watch. It's either like really? Nightmare on Elm Street 3, this one, or Oculus. I really like Oculus too. Have we done that one? No, we haven't. Yeah, You've Oculus talked about it multiple times. Dope, though. It's one with the mirror. Yeah, yeah. it's really good. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I'm a huge, huge fan. I highly recommend this I one. I put it at three stars. Because it was, it was a competently made film. I just had some issues with some of the writing. We needed more of that anti-smoking message Garrett likes. <laughs> Drive it really home. <laughs> I just needed more of a connection of why I was really supposed to care about this kid. And evidently I wasn't because it wasn't part of the story anyway. Well, you're supposed to care about the kid because it's a kid who has cancer. I think that just is like, that's the reason. Look, in the words of Werner Herzog, life is a cruel mistress that makes no sense. <laughs> Accept the void and embrace nothingness. The heartstrings are hard to pull with Gary. I okay. guess so. Okay. I was sad. I was like, <laughs> no, it was sad, but it was just one of those things where it was just like, like they just spring it on you as like a thing of like, like, oh yeah, be sad now. And I'm like, well, okay, fine. Anytime anybody tells you don't go in the room, it's evil. Maybe, maybe take a second to think about it. Bro, give me the penthouse and the Knicks tickets, please. <laughs> so listeners, if you know a place that's evil, <laughs> let us know. Yeah, we'll send John there right away with a tape recorder. And a smoke. <laughs> a single smoke. No, thank you. Well, that's three recommendations from us. 
Listeners, why don't you tell us what you think about 1408? You can find us on all the social media areas except for TikTok. I mean, we're there, but we haven't posted anything. We've got a Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find everything we're up to at thegravetalk.com. Uh, next up, we've got Insidious, the Red Door. Insidious 5, the Red Door. Coming your way. Uh, so if you're like me and has, haven't bothered to watch anything but part one, you got a little bit of time. Next episode, expect that. Uh, we also got a mini from John coming up before then, though. Corned. It's children. happening. It's children happened. of the corn, they say. Yeah. It's corn. <laughs> you remember when I said, oh, I think most things are fine? I don't. Those, those are, those are the, yeah. All right. Well, listeners, thank you for checking in with us. If you have a moment, please go like and subscribe where we're located on all the podcast locations. Uh, your reviews and, and comments do help us get a little more visibility. So thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time for Insidious Red Door.